Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm the Mishana of Evil. Mishana of Evil, okay. Uh, we're doing some Halloween cleanup. Uh, clearing out those cobwebs that we left up for atmosphere during October. Uh, we'll go over all the stuff that we missed during our hiatus uh, of August and September, late August, uh, all of September. All of September. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll go through all of those movies in part three this week, which is going to be difficult for me to remember. <laughs> uh, it's okay huh. if we get a few things wrong. It'll, it, we'll, <laughs> I don't we'll think remember. anyone's checking up on us. We'll, we'll deal with it. So <laughs> our first movie of basically for this week we're we're essentially going to be covering three in the second part i think two and a half three yeah i mean i i I don't i don't expect you did notes or anything on the amusement park but i'm sure it's entirely seared in both of our minds so we'll be able to speak on it uh maybe have more to speak on with that than either of the other two honestly (laughs) probably because they're it's a heavy thing yeah there's not a lot really to discuss with don't go in the woods just it's just a blast here's a lot it's of people so much dying. fun it i mean yeah body count movie oh, uh, i counted <laughs> uh but it's up there it's it's crazy it's ridiculous but our first movie we're covering a canadian film a very recent one uh sort of a satire it's horror but it's sort of a horror comedy and it's kind of more like it's a mashup of uh, Power Rangers because all the uh, human parts, uh, like the non-suit parts of the 90s Power Rangers run was shot in Canada. Like I think Vancouver mainly. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. So like uh, the, it's there's a very Canadian-ness to those early Power Rangers ones. And then it's also got a lot of those weird, it, it's got a lot of the flavor of the 80s canadian cinema this is sort of tax shelter era when you get stuff like peanut butter solution it really echoed with peanut butter solution to me especially the dad Mm, the dad was the lazy enabler dad (laughs) oh man he's like he's every sitcom dad but just worse maximalized he's completely useless he's just uh, he is an enabler and he does nothing else uh he he's the most useless dad so this movie's from 19 or 19 2020 directed by steven kostansky uh pg psycho gorman uh so we we got an opening scroll at the start with this nameless eternal evil who's bent on destroying everything that's good and just of course and of course the uh, planet gygax no less Right, Gygax, of course, you know, a, a D&D reference. Mm-hmm. But the forces of light imprisoned it on Earth. It's kind of a Lord of the Rings-esque uh, basic lore. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your ancient evil. They couldn't defeat him, but they imprisoned him. But uh-oh, we'll hope he doesn't ever come back. Yeah, it says... They, they say, if he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. They always get released, though. Well, yeah. Have you ever seen a seal of evil that just doesn't get released? I mean, that, that's the point of it. You you have the seal so that it can be broken. 
Uh, all of this is to the Meadleys and Tremblows of Blitz Berlin, who do the score, uh, who actually used to be a local band. Uh, they were a Victoria band before they became Blitz Berlin, before they moved to Toronto. Oh, no kidding. Uh, they were the set. I think a friend of mine did one of their music videos. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> right on. But they're, they're Blitz Berlin now. It's, the soundtrack's really fun on this. Uh, we I, I have the Raven Banner Deluxe uh, Hunky Boy Edition or whatever the fuck, and it comes with the soundtrack, which is pretty rad. Hunky Boy Edition, of Hunky course. Hunky Boys. <laughs> That's <laughs> the funniest part of the movie. I, I feel like it's... Uh, uh, unequivocal. A- 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 anybody who talks about this movie brings that up. It's just such a great moment, both the initial one and the callback. <laughs> I-, I agree. Um, not a lot. Some of the jokes in this don't land. I-, I find that some of the movie is a little, the humor in the movie is a little too mean spirited. Not it's so harsh. that it ruins it, but. Yeah, there's there's a meanness to it. It definitely is very cynical. Uh, it's it's got uh, a mean streak to it. It's got an alt comedy kind of feel. It feels early aughts in a way. Yeah, like like when Family Guy started getting started experimenting with getting edgier. I think. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's around there for sure. So we start with Crazy Ball, which is basically Calvin Ball, which we talk about regularly. The the Calvin Ball rules just yeah. totally made up. This is the same thing. Crazy Ball. Yeah. Except, you know, there are rules that, you know, you have to memorize, but it's, you can't memorize them. Well, it, it's exactly like Calvin Ball, because that oh. is how Calvin Ball works. There's always all these rules that they're saying, and then they do all these things. I think some of these are literally just pulled, like, cribbed directly from the Calvin and Hobbes scripts, the, the stuff that they do. Oh, I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. <laughs> uh, so we've got Mimi and Luke, and Mimi is the dominant little sister, main character of the movie. She's basically Louise from Bob's Burgers. Live action uh, version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just makes perfect sense if I picture her with a pink bunny hat, then <laughs> suddenly the whole movie cl- just clicks into place. Yeah, she is, she has that kind of chaotic energy. She doesn't feel like a real character. She definitely feels like a sitcom character. Oh, yeah. So uh, she obviously wins the, the crazy ball tournament in the backyard. Gross, muddy backyard, by the way. Uh, Southern Ontario, kind of grungy, uh, very rainy looking. I'm, I'm sure the dad will get to it, you know, when, when he gets to it. Yeah. So she has Lucas dig his own grave because <laughs> she won. And we cut to him like. Having literally dug a six-foot grave. Yeah, he's just been working at it, and it's where they find the gem, uh, the the sealed tomb of the Psycho Goreman, uh, an unnamed evil up to this point. And they, they find it, and she does, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and it, it opens it. You know, it's the, she somehow breaks their incredible code. <laughs> and after 10,000 years, he's free. It's time to conquer Earth and yeah. all that. Yeah, I mean, he he is Rita Repulsa. He comes up. He's going to let his monsters grow. Uh, <laughs> the, so they they see it awakening, and they're like, "Oh shit, there's something going on here!" And they rebury it because uh, they have to go in for bedtime because it's nine o'clock. <laughs> just, just weird. No, oh, nine p.m. curfew. Uh, kids who are going to be uh, ordering around uh, an ancient evil tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but you know they. 
they're, it's not like they're going to bed. They're just going to do their little knock thing and wake up the whole house all night. Well, very briefly. It's it's not all night. They, they're they told to go to they sleep very shortly. They all night, though. <clears throat> oh, sure. So they, they have them put to bed. We have the useless enabler dad. Uh, Greg? <laughs> I want to say Greg. Yeah, Greg, Greg. yeah, his name is Greg. <laughs> uh, he's they're, they're, Both of the kids are asking about monsters because they know they've woken a monster up. And you know the real monster <laughs> is mad. Yeah, he's like, in a lot of ways, humans are the real monsters. Like, thanks, Dad. Really helpful. It's uh, great. So, Mom talking to uh, Mimi. Remember what happened last time you were playing Kooky Ball? And it's th- this is my favorite Mimi delivery in the whole movie. She like has a, a long pause and. <laughs> like not it, it, it's less a correction it's it's just like this howl of a statement it's a like, crazy ball <laughs> more just than it, it's kooky ball I'm like crazy ball <laughs> celebrating the sport it's like i cast out the wrong name of kooky ball from your tongue the power of christ compels you yeah she's very furious so she she has them. If there are monsters coming to kill us, can you make sure they kill Luke first? <laughs> <laughs> and Dad's harsh, but okay. <laughs> Fuck Dad! Fuck this guy. He he is completely subservient to her specifically. Luke is a uh, afterthought in everything. Yeah, he he would be a millhouse, except that Alistair is even more millhouse. Alistair, it's sad. Uh, so they they do the thing as you said. They they knock Morse code on the walls to communicate. Uh, <laughs> she was saying that they thought they like when when they got to the thing, they thought they had unburied Grandma for some reason, as if Grandma had been buried in the backyard. And yeah. Luke thinks Grandma's coming back, and she says, "No, I told you, Grandma's in hell forever." <laughs> Uh, and of course mom then knocks on the wall and is like shut up and go to sleep so all of them know the morse code and can communicate through the knocks i presume the dad knows too but just doesn't give a shit i don't know he i I can totally see him not would have not tried to learn you're right yeah i i don't see him knowing anything so (laughs) pg arrives our main character ish mimi and pg kind of equal co-leads Mm-hmm. And he walks around, he finds this abandoned warehouse where there's these three thieves hanging out, having a celebration. They're, they're having a little celebration about this uh, home invasion they just did. They killed some elderly man. Uh, he was in a white suit. He just got back from uh, a trip to the theme park. He, he wasn't having yeah, a good he, day. He didn't even <laughs> want to go there. His, his more elderly friend was like, you won't like it. <laughs> It's like, oh, I thought I'd give it a try. Uh, so, yeah, he, he finds these three guys, and they, they have this photograph, of this framed photo, and like, why did you bring that? He's like, I don't know, the frames seem nice, and tosses it, and PG catches it. <laughs> so they, these guys are established as just obviously extremely uh, hateable, uh, awful guys, because they, they have done a home invasion and murdered someone this night. 
And then they're like bitching about the shit they got from it. Like this yeah. shitty radio is bullshit. Man, nobody's gonna want to buy this. We can't trade this in for tickets. Oh no, beta. Yeah. So the first guy who comes uh who comes at PG, he just slaps him across the room. <laughs> uh and he, he just like hits a post. He's like splat. And he force grabs both of the other two like he he has this thing where he can just grab them with a sort of glowing force energy like like a darth vader kind of it's it's very force-esque yeah it's it's darth yeah. vader but he rips both of their heads off just straight up and they sploosh everywhere it's very gory this is an extremely gory movie oh it's very everybody's really squishy yeah it's, it's... not it's not quite as gory as Ichi, but it's up there. <laughs> so the third guy, the guy who he threw across the room, sort of the leader of the bunch, he's like, please, man, I, I don't want to die. So he's like, then live forever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll catch up with him the next morning. Next morning, uh, there there's this huge hole in their backyard, obviously, left by PG. Of course, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> everyone's like, okay, well, someone needs to fill this thing in. And they all vote dad, obviously. <laughs> Dad's like, my vote counts for three, though. Yeah, he's like, well, I vote that your votes all don't count and that you all do it. And then they're like, uh-huh. So he goes and gets the shovel and he pretends to take one dig at it and he goes oh my wrist oh honey my wrist we might have to go to the hospital uh, oh my god oh they called the back to that later on too oh, i yeah. just realized yeah yeah he keeps going <laughs> they, they they actually do destroy his wrist later so yeah, he, it's exactly the same reaction and it's <laughs> just as pathetic then because he's still like we'll talk about it yeah so they're, they, uh, Luke and Mimi head to school, and they're talking about how we're going to be real American heroes, which is interesting. It suggests this is set in America, even though it's uh, like they're all very Canadian. They have Canadian accents. <laughs> yeah. But that's fun. Uh, I, I like it. I, that, that's usually what they did in the 80s ones. It's like you never actually say you're in Canada. You want to pretend it's some place in America. You know, it's somewhere in the Midwest. Well, yeah, the the wrong guy, which we watched last weekend. Uh, exactly. Very obviously Toronto, but they're like, so, no, this is Cleveland. Yeah, we're we're in Cleveland, is how it is. So yeah, that's the state police with the yeah, RCMP state police. cars. <laughs> oh, the 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 cop in that is is one of the funniest cops in movies. Uh, Craig from Malcolm in the Middle. I can't remember the dude's name. I can never remember that guy's name. This came up no, on when we when we did uh, Snake Eyes too. It was the exact same thing. I was like, oh man, that guy, the fat, the fat guy from the '90s who isn't Wayne Knight. Yeah, it's like the dude from Malcolm in the Middle, Craig. Yeah. But I cannot remember his name. It will come to me anyway. So Mimi has this crush on Luke's friend Alistair, <laughs> but it's like. It's a Louise-esque crush, like how she has the crush on that teen pop star boy. How she just wants to punch him in the face. Yeah, like um, a very, like like it's a psychotic little girl crush. 
yeah, she is a sociopath. Like, she is an evil little girl. Like, if this were a Twilight Zone, she would be the villain. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> like, put Psycho Gorman out in the cornfield, honey, please. <laughs> so they, they meet up with Alistair, and she's like, oh, why don't you give us a spin, hunky boy? <laughs> Alistair's like, uh... Um, uh, no thanks. <laughs> uh, this poor kid. has no idea how to react to her. She's way too high energy for him. He, he's just, like, not there at all. He's, he's just, like, a normal, regular, actually existing kid dealing with this cartoon character. Right. And, it, like, she she's so escalated. Like, the bell rings and she grabs Luke's math homework and text and just hucks it over her shoulder and runs he's like my math (laughs) (laughs) and you know she's doing this every fucking day alistair's like is your sister crazy (laughs) she might be i think so i think so that night they follow the tracks because pg lives sort of a path of destruction they they find the warehouse (laughs) And (laughs) as they're going, well, first, as they're going in, Mimi gives Luke a weapon. It's like, you might need this. I call it the Luke killer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is like this ball of uh, sharpness. Yeah. All sorts of things. It's it's like a pink ball with tons of stuff sticking out of it. She hands it to him and it cuts him instantly. He's like, hey, it cut me. Like, well, it's working. (laughs) Uh, so Mimi comes in and she's obviously very tough. Show yourself or I'll break you into a pile of bones. <laughs> I really like the, like, what would I do? Like, break you into a pile of bones? That seems like something I could do. Oh, sure. <laughs> Just like the, yeah, like the, the slight confusion as she delivers it. Like, yeah. What am I thinking right now? What? Yeah. Okay. Will that work? And they find the gore. They find Psycho Goreman's pile of gore. Uh, just all the 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 parts of the dudes are just like on the fence. There, there's like a, a chain link fence, and they're just just hanging there, yeah. kind of like forming a pattern, like yeah. Ed Gein's house a little bit. Right. So PG force grabs Luke. And he's doing his big villainous intro about, oh, you're just children, but I'm going to destroy you anyway. Uh, until Mimi goes, shut it! <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and the stone begins glowing. Yeah, well, she she says, let Luke go. And the, the, the stone starts to glow and they realize that the gem is what controls him. So she has him pick up Luke and spin him a whole bunch until he throws up. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there's the guy that uh, he he had live forever. And he's talking about how this guy is in this masterpiece of pain. His eyes are just endlessly rolling <laughs> up, like in circles in his head. As his face is like frozen in this pure horror expression. Yeah, and Lucas is so, or Luke is extremely dizzy after being spun, and he stumbles into the guy, and he falls over and just splatters into gore. <laughs> it's like that. That oh, it's so hard to explain, but like you see it where it's like they shatter 
but splatter. Yeah, yeah. He just hits the ground and he turns into a liquid for the most part. Uh, you, you ever see Time Cop? The, oh, that uh, sounds familiar. I may have. JCVD film, early early 90s, mid 90s. Uh, there, there's uh, lots of stuff where they're playing with liquid nitrogen. People get frozen and smashed. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> like that. It feels like it's that. It's a lot like that. Uh, and like his, uh, the, the mouth falls and says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, okay, what's your name? He's like, well, I have no name, but some refer to me as the Archduke of Nightmares. It's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they spent like this long while thinking of a name for it. Yeah, time to workshop some names, and <laughs> they 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 think Psycho and Goreman. Like, oh, Psycho Goreman, PG for short. Mm. <laughs> it's perfect. It's hip. It's wow. It's now. So he starts doing his speechifying again. He's he starts doing his whole. It, it, it like cuts to like imagery from Thor kind of thing. Yeah. There's a, a, a rainbow bridge and these huge epic astral battles. And then Mimi yells, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, what? I'm like, knock, knock. He, he's still, he's like, just say who's there. I don't understand. <laughs> and finally, like they just leave. He's like, sit and stay. Uh, and then they they walk away. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we meet the alien council. The oh uh, yes, um, what are the, they? The the paladins? No, he's the paladins. The, the, Templars. the Templars. The Templars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Templars. The uh, one guy who I swear to God is like thinks he's Darth Sidious, but he's super not. Like the main dude, the the one who's like the main one talking, the silly yeah. guy. Yeah, they kind of. Yeah, they're they're all meeting because they've seen, uh, like when the gem is used, they are notified. Basically, they they understand that it's happening. So it's like, all right, he's back out. We got to go deal with this. They think he has the gem, but they don't realize that he's being controlled by the gem. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I love the. the the costumes or the the suits the, oh, oh my these, god yes these dudes uh <laughs> especially the tube man the the guy who's just like <laughs> a brain and tube and stuff uh which yeah. th that's Stuart wellington from the flophouse podcast which was cool <laughs> i really love like the the mechanical angel people mm -hmm. the well the the templars, the templars uh, our, yeah. our main one pandora is uh also kind of evil there's no good people in this movie this is a movie where everybody's evil everybody's bad yeah she's like oh well i want to bring peace to the world but in a real fucking old testament hellfire at brimstone kind of way yeah she wants to have a crusade uh yeah. and and she's talking about her faith she's decided she's going to go to execute pg uh because you know this has gone on too long and she teleports a random human and just compresses this lady into just a cube of meat and then smashes it with her fist. And then smears the bloody guts all over her face and now she can transform. Oh yeah, she becomes this woman later, but yeah, it's, uh, obviously not showing her to be a hero when she just squishes someone into a cube in her initial appearance. 
Yeah, and even the other aliens are just kind of like, oh, They're all horrified. Yeah. I don't think she needed the blood to transform. I think that was just her uh, taking someone to use. So Minnie and Luke take Alistair to meet PG the next day, and they bring him some stuff. They bring him a television so he can get, so he can be less boring and be more funny. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, uh, and here's some, here's some magazines with some hunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it here where he says it? <laughs> yeah. A- absolutely fantastic moment, him looking at this uh, shirtless, uh, it's, it's like a teen beat magazine yeah. and there's some muscly guy he's like I do not care for hunky boys and there's like that long pause or do I <laughs> <laughs> so key thing that she orders him be nice please and then from this point he does kind of ease off he, he chills out a little bit from this point forward he's still psycho gorman but he's he has received an order from the gem that he has to be nicer and he starts being nicer <laughs> so he's you know very nicely telling you about how he's going to kill you and show no mercy and well it's it's kind of cute because it's like all right story time kids and he goes and sits down on the couch and he, like <laughs> pats sit down next to me everybody sits down he starts telling about his past his world killing oh. spree <laughs> all these <laughs> entire earths he's he's massacred he's a thanos type basically we're we're getting the thanos speech and then he's imprisoned and they're like whatever that's boring watch some tv be less boring we're gonna go (laughs) learn to be more fun from tv yep uh and he contacts his team through the TV statics, the the obs- the Paladin's Obsidian, right with a dark scream, dark scream head one, yeah, main guy, yeah. Wonder what he does. Not much. Uh, he 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 dies. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we we cut to dinner at home. Dad has made microwave chicken, and he's extremely extremely proud of himself. It's so self-impressed. It it's barely edible. Nobody's really eating it. They're all like, it's really tough. And uh, he's destroyed the microwave doing it. Uh, it just <laughs> oh made an, like he he literally just got a raw chicken and microwaved it into submission. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, and he is so proud of himself. It's just like, oh, I did a thing, and you know, I made the effort. So everybody needs to just like shower me with compliments. Have you ever met a person like this in real life? Cause I have, and it's terrible. I did something nice once. And so, yeah, all of you all got to basically get down and suck my dick for the rest of eternity. Cause uh, I, I did this nice thing one time. Like I, I, uh, I, I was hanging with, you know, a former ghost friend who we've mentioned before, a friend who became a ghost. Oh yes. Yes. I, I, took me a second to be, yeah they, because the ghosting was so thorough that i long ago uh yeah. but you know, this is a person who i was very close with for years so we were hanging out and there's this new guy who was very obviously interested in her and wanted to hang out as well and we like bought microwavable you know some frozen foods and stuff to make and he's he made a big show of like oh i'm gonna be the one who puts it in a pan and cooks it and just would not stop being like, oh, you made a pretty good dinner. And like, and 
we bought it. I like I purchased it. All you did was put it in an oven. Like, shut up. Get over yourself. And she never saw that guy again because he was horrible. He was insane. He's one of those. He, like he was an insult type. He, he was someone who immediately started uh, harassing uh, uh, right away. What do you mean you go five minutes without texting me? That's not okay. Right, it's a type. So it, yeah. this is where, like, it really showed me what this dad character is. And like, oh, he's one of these guys. Oh, fuck. I hate yeah. him. <laughs> yep, yep. So self-impressed uh, for doing the absolute minimum. So Luke goes upstairs with Alistair to play video games, and Mimi is very put out because she wants to do stuff with Alistair, obviously. Nothing romantic. She she wants to throw basketballs throw at him. At Luke. <laughs> yeah, the, the the two of them throw throw basketballs yeah. at Luke in the front yard. And it's like, mm, well, we want to play some video do games. That he's sane. Yeah, he wants to play video games with his friend Luke. <laughs> yeah, who <laughs> Not... doesn't tr- torment them. Not his uh, insane little sister, who's dangerous. Uh, And then there's a thing where mom is trying to get her to eat her broccoli, but she storms out and screams, champions don't eat broccoli. And broccoli's good, man. Kids don't know what's what. Yeah, I've always liked broccoli. I don't know. (laughs) I liked it as a kid, honestly. (laughs) Never had any beef with broccoli. It's fine. Same with Brussels sprouts, honestly. I, I bet you could have beef with broccoli. Sure, Probably beef and good. broccoli. That's that's a classic uh, Chinese food. Yeah. So she goes to PG, obviously, because she's bored and Luke and Alistair are doing something else. And she tells PG that she wants to cast a seduction spell on Alistair. And she comes back to the place with him. <laughs> oh, right. And the, like they're all in the backyard, and like, what are you doing, bringing him here? And it's like he should be anywhere I want him to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he does a thing like, well, if you, you know, I once helped this alien overlord to do some spell of seduction, I could try it on him. Uh, and he turns into a big brain, like the the crawling eye, but a brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really really gross he looks he looks like he's in so much pain all the time yeah he's just a big rubber brain who has to crawl around everywhere uh and (laughs) that's his life now pieces of flesh are like shredded and falling off of him well i think it's because it's just a cheap rubber suit (laughs) i know but it makes it it looks gross yeah makes it it look worse so the parents notice that there's this huge monster out in the backyard with the kids and mom runs out and she hits PG with a bat, which breaks in half. Uh, and the dad's like, my favorite bat. <laughs> Fucking guy. Guy. Uh, and, you know, uh, PG is about to attack them, but I mean, don't hurt my parents. That's an order. So he, he can't hurt them. But of course, they got to do this thing where it's like, I will kill you later. No, you won't. Yeah. Mimi's like, don't worry. Be worried. (laughs) He's not going to do anything. Yes, I will. Yeah. It's like he's just being silly. Don't worry. Be worried. Uh, And then we have the musical interlude because the kids start a band with PG on drums. (laughs) Oh, yeah. With the Frig Off song. Frig Off. (laughs) Which they do the, uh, like, 
uh, emotional acoustic version later for the big dramatic <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and alistair is playing something uh i think he's I on remember. keyboards That's i believe he's the is. keyboardist yeah uh and, you know over the montage with the frig off they they also do a costuming montage like trying to outfit pg in in stuff so he can uh blend in better yeah we, we've seen like this exact montage before but it's kind of funny when it's a rubber powers uh, rubber suit power rangers villain yeah there, there's a bit where they've made fresh cookies and mom's like don't touch those cookies greg the dad and uh <laughs> he he obviously goes into the fresh cookies so they turn them into a monster to grab his face <laughs> <laughs> uh there is a where he just disintegrates a child who, who like oh, yeah right that that kid the, with the pink shirt yeah who like uh yells at him about uh the the halloween like it's, it's not halloween and he just turns her into uh meat just into goo <laughs> just just explosion of blood this is a small child it, it is yeah pretty excessive it is, it, it, this is really uh, an eight-year-old that gets gibbed yeah it's like again very mean-spirited kind of movie and there there's a, the the bit kind of concludes the, the whole montage with them play them throwing basketballs at luke basically it's the throw basketballs at luke game that she wanted to play yeah. out in the front yard but he turns like PG turns it into a flaming skull and throws it straight through the wall, like ricochets around in the house just over dad's head, goes through the TV and dad freaks out. Like realistically, <laughs> like you would if uh, yeah, like a skull rocketed there. through and hit just above your head. Yeah, like he's just sitting there like curled up into a ball, just like, what the fuck? Yeah, he has a panic attack, like very realistic, and it just, yeah. oh, 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 oh my god, oh my god, what the fuck? It just kind of that was nice. I, I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> of course, you know, later on, he's going to buy an expensive new TV. Very okay. soon, I think that's very like the next scene. Yeah. Oh but fuck! Is it already? It's it's pretty much immediately. I think it's the next time we see him because they we we got the kids. They take PG to a diner. And there's the thing where he unhinges his jaw and eats the whole plate and tells them about how being eaten is a warrior's death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's the, the bit where Mimi takes Luke's fries. He's like, you don't need them. Uh, I, I want them. And uh, Luke and PG share a look like this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so then that night, PG comes to Luke in his dreams. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, I really rah. love this. <laughs> what is this? Oh, an eternal nightmare of torment. Now, he says, I've come to you through the nightmare realm. Uh, and it, it's, it's Luke just in a bed in a graveyard where zombies are all very, very slowly crawling out of the grave. <laughs> and it seems <laughs> yeah. really menacing because, you know, PG's looming over him and he gets into a conversation about how. PG wants him to get the gem for him uh, because he knows, you know, he's convincing him that the sister is bad and is going to cause problems and like, you you should well, just work with me. He's in not fairness, entirely he's wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's anyway. caused a couple of problems. She, the, she has directly caused one person to die and one person to suffer a horrible fate worse than death several people really uh uh the those those 
uh, those three dudes, I mean, they let them out. Yeah, true. They they let him out. Uh, but it, he refuses to help. He's like, I don't know. This doesn't seem like it makes sense. But she's I I, I kind of need her advice on this. This doesn't seem like a good <laughs> idea. I feel like I'm being tricked. Yeah. Aren't you going to like destroy the whole entire world if I do that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah, my thing. But... I'll leave you alone. Maybe I'll think about it. Yeah, I'll think about leaving you alone. He's like, no, I can't do it. And it's like, fine. So they have to. I I, I love the conceit <laughs> that they're like, all right. It's like, well, what happens now? Now we have to sit here and wait for your dream to end. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just sitting there. Just like, like cuts to a wide <laughs> shot of all of these zombies just sort of crawling, and it's not supposed to even be kind of spooky anywhere it's just shot very flat and there it's like him on a bed in a graveyard and there's just all of these guys crawling but not getting anywhere and moaning and <laughs> eg standing there like <sighs> <laughs> so next day uh meanie tries to teach everyone crazy ball uh, with pg alistair the brain they're they're out at the school like they're they're on like a, a basketball court next to a school, and the police show up because there's a monster. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, the cop! Oh my fuck! <laughs> so, one of the cops gets turned into the bio cop. Uh, there, there's like a trading card of bio cop uh, that comes oh. with the disc. Uh, and the other one just flees in terror. The the first guy has the <laughs> keys, so it's like through the keys. He's like, he can no longer speak. He's just like, his head is turned inside out, and the gun has become part of his hand. (laughs) He's like trying to get the, like, he can't fully use his arm, but he's trying to, like, hurl his arm up so that the gun is pointed at his head so he can shoot himself. And he, because he's just, he's in horrible pain, like the guy whose eyes were spinning. Uh, uh, and he's gonna be he's gonna be in pain for a while. Yeah, and they they do shoot at him, just open fire immediately, and PG has to deflect their bullets, or the kids would have been hit, which is like directly noted. So mm-hmm. it's it's also kind of anti-cop. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, th- there is also an earlier point where Mimi says, "I don't trust cops." That's why they don't go to the police about PG in the first place. I mean. Yeah, I mean, General, yeah, that's good, a good, good point. To have. Yeah. But I, I do like the the other guy fleeing in terror that he he tries to get into the car, but he doesn't have the keys, <laughs> and the other guy does, and he's not going to go over to the other guy and get into his pocket, so he just runs away and leaves the police car with the lights and sirens on on a school parking lot, a school playground. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so. Then it's like, all right, back to playtime. The cop's gone. Well, one of the cops is gone. The other guy now, he's part of their crew. Yeah, he, he has to play <laughs> Crazy Ball now. Yeah. It's like, all right, now I have to teach everyone Crazy Ball. And there's the bit where he's just agreeing with everything she says. And it's like, he gets it. Like, he's just saying what you want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and Alistair goes home. He's like, hey, Alistair, what's the problem? He's like, you think I'll ever be normal again? Probably not. <laughs> she could probably get PG to change him back, but she's satisfied. She could, but she's fine with him this way. Yeah. <laughs> probably never even occurred to her. 
No. So then the rest of them are walking in the forest. And uh, the bio cop gives Mimi a valentine because she told the, told everyone to write love notes to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But it just says, in, written in blood, it just says, kill me. Please kill me. <laughs> it's like, what is like, this? I said to write love notes about how great I am. <laughs> and he, he 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 does get the gun uh the gun hand up to himself and shoots himself in the head a few times but it doesn't kill him yeah it doesn't it doesn't take so pg asks luke what is love <laughs> and luke sort of goes over what love is like and mimi says love is for losers and the, Luke is starts to tease her about how she has this crush on Alistair. So it's like, all right, PG, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just like, stop. Just kidding. <laughs> and then, yeah, and again, Luke and PG share another look like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, can you believe this bitch? I can't fucking believe it. And then Pandora arrives in her human form to to the police department where uh, the traumatized cop has gotten to and is still uh, dealing with his trauma there with everybody. <laughs> and the one desk sergeant, they're like, are oh, yeah, the useless guy. to story? <laughs> like, and he's just like, no. No, it's like, useless. And then she comes over and she puts a hand on his head and she like reads him like a modem. Mm. So back in the woods, PG's team shows up. <laughs> All his guys. These the are great. Obsidian. Yeah, they're great, gory versions of Power Rangers villains, especially Rich <laughs> Evans as the bucket of gore. He's just like <laughs> a bucket of flesh and blood, and he sprays blood at you. And I don't think he does anything else. <laughs> he, he's like a cauldron with like a glass pane in the front, and there's just body parts and gore in the top that and, and like a hose that fires it out. <laughs> he's Rolls. an evil sentient unganga. Yeah, he's an unganga. And they're not here to help. They're not here no. to, to join him or get the gem back. He's like, no, we don't want to do that. We're we're commies now. We're we're all buds. We, we just share the crown. Uh nobody's the leader. <laughs> yeah, turns out uh Dark Scream uh Star Screamed him. Yeah. So PG introduces them like Paladins, this is Mimi and uh her brother. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it, <laughs> it's Luke. You should know by name by now. <laughs> this kind of comes out of nowhere because there's a couple <laughs> times where it references him not knowing his name and it's just he never learns it. He doesn't know it at the end either. I guess <laughs> it's a good bit because he's like silly little thing. Well, and he's been hanging out with Luke specifically. He was just sitting in his dream the previous night. He's just never referred to him by name because he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. <laughs> so PG orders his guys to kill the children and get the gem for him, uh, but they they all just laugh and it's like no. We we don't want you back. <laughs> we don't listen to you anymore. We've got a new leader now. Yeah, we like the Templars, right? And they're gonna f they're gonna beat him up, uh, and he's ready to fight back. But Mimi freezes him because you know, he was you know, gonna get those guys to kill him. Yeah, he's being a jerk. You told those guys to kill us. 
so they they get to beat him up for a while and everybody's just like stomping on him rich evans is just like screaming laughter and uh, spraying gore all over him <laughs> you have uh, to say you're sorry and you have to really mean it yeah and he he does a fake sorry and then he does a really sincere one and then she she does like the power rangers pose and it like lights up and everything with the gem it's like go get him dude <laughs> <laughs> uh i i do love yeah obviously he kills all of the dudes he, he destroys yeah. everyone uh before Cassius 5000 cassius 5000 he rips his face off he's the he, he's he's like um he's like a clockwork man from uh return oh. to oz he's quite yeah. a like that guy yeah uh rich evans before he gets punched <laughs> in the glass face uh, does his signature. Oh my god! That's how I knew it was him. Unmistakable. <laughs> so, uh, there, there's a witch master who manages to pull PG's head most of the way off, but then he he's like able to put it back on, and he rips her head off, and Mimi kicks it down a hill. <laughs> it, it gets away, but it later gets run over by a truck. Yeah, it survives for <laughs> A few minutes anyway yeah it gets away for a bit there's like a swamp thing-esque dude who he like oh yeah holds the rose out of his chest and he crumbles he like turns to dust yep <laughs> um dark scream is the last one so he's given the warrior's death oh yeah then we actually <laughs> see it we see him um. unhinge his jaw and uh gruesomely devour him and the kids are like oh well Mimi finds it kind of amusing but everyone else is luke like, is very grossed out luke is throwing yeah. up yeah but uh, I, I, and then pg <laughs> after finishing it the horrors you've just witnessed cannot be unseen <laughs> it reminds me of the guy from ichi the killer the way his mouth opens yeah but... yeah it just completely unhinges uh it's it's gross yeah except it's worse because it's like a snake and like the thing he eats is usually bigger than he is and it's fighting back yeah <laughs> yeah it is doing that yeah so uh pg is very badly wounded and he says they must have poisoned their blades so he is actually dying i think it's not a fake out i think he's genuinely dying yeah yeah well and meanwhile at home dad has bought a new a big expensive new tv <laughs> yeah and mom is like what the what the hell how are we supposed to afford this? And he's like, yeah. And I also decided to take a few weeks off work just to make sure my hand totally heals up from the sprain the other day. You might have to pick up a few extra shifts at the grocery store and stuff. And mom throws this him out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really love he everything I do around here. She's like, what do you do? He, and the, like the look on his face you could tell he is thinking so hard he's trying to think of one thing he cannot come up with a single thing like and then it like cuts to him on the toilet later yelling about how well screw you and he he has no answer for it. he still doesn't have a response even though it's some time later and he's been thrown yeah. out yeah he's like rehearsing on the toilet what he wishes he had said and still doesn't win and of course pg 
Astral projects screaming in pain to him on the toilet. It's a very funny bit. <laughs> this is great. He's like, uh, ah, ah, find me, find me, or you all die. Ah. And then just like disappears. He's just like a flaming skull appearing in, in the corner of the t- of the bathroom. And you know, Greg falls into the bathtub. He's oh, oh my god! Oh, it's like, where are you though? <laughs> he comes back I'm on the direction. Of... <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he gives him a location. He's like, I don't know how to get there. Drink this or he just starts giving detailed directions. <laughs> if you pass the burger joint, you've gone too far. So fucking good. <laughs> and you know, dad goes and picks them up. They come back. He drives over Witchmaster's head on the way back. <laughs> And they get back to the house, and Pandora is waiting for them with Mom. And she wants them all to get out of the truck and just leave PG to them. And, of course, <laughs> Luke gets out, but Mimi is like, no, absolutely not. And, you know, it's her oppositional thing. And, of course, Dad is the enabler, who so he stays with her. For once in your goddamn life, Craig, you don't have to actually do anything. And he, you know, he does what he thinks is very cool and noble, and he sticks with her, and they drive off. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- they go to the warehouse. Of, of course, before they go, Baby tries to order Luke to beat Pandora up himself. <laughs> He's like, no, I, that's not going to work. And he, he finally does stand up for himself at least that much, and he takes the gem from Mimi keeps it when they drive off. So they're at the warehouse and PG is dying on the couch. And he's like, I need the gem back to heal. And she's like, I don't know. And she, she goes to dad for advice, which is never a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Dad thinks, you know, I think you should do it because there's this time when when I was right. a kid, there's this guy, this weird guy who had a van on the outside of the school field. And he invited me into his van to see these baseball cards. And I did it. <laughs> and you know what? I had a lot of fun that day seeing a lot of cool baseball cards. So you should do it. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> and Much like the the uh, I don't trust cops thing earlier, Mimi. Like in in the scene when they were going to school before they met Alistair, like when has Dad ever been right about anything? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. So Pandora transforms Mom into another Templar monster rubber suit thing. That was cool. I thought <laughs> that's kind of fun. There's the fake out with Mimi asking Jesus for advice. <laughs> yeah, she's she fucking is like, what am I even asking you for? What have you ever done? Like, rips the cross off the wall and like breaks it in half. Well, it's fun. She she has this whole thing where it seems like she's asking about whether or not she should give PG the gem. It seems like that's what she's leading up to. Or this whole very serious. Oh, I, I've come to you, and she's like, which sunglasses should I wear? Just kidding. I already decided on these. What am I even talking to you for? There's a yeah. new god in town. <laughs> right, right. His name is Psycho Gorman, PG for short, and she busts the crucifix in half. <laughs> in any other movie, this would have condemned her to death. 
Yeah. Uh, and she goes back to PG and he's like, okay, if you promise not to kill me and my family, I will give you the gem. And it's like, hey, what about the rest of the world? It's like, oh yeah, oops, oops. But she doesn't ever follow up and she never actually oh, no. gets back to it. She's still, no. oh yeah, oops, <laughs> whatever. But she doesn't have the gem, of course. So yeah. uh, Pandora and the rest, everybody shows up and Mimi uh it's like nobody tells me what to do not and then she like lists everyone and it's like not my dad and he's like yep <laughs> he agrees <laughs> strongly yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and everybody basically pairs up to have a fight with one person like uh, pandora versus pg obviously mom versus dad luke yeah. versus mimi because mm-hmm. Mimi's got the Luke killer. <laughs> she's, she's like raising it to get him. And it's like, you're the real monster. It's just like dad says. <laughs> and she pauses. She's like, okay, we're going to do a challenge. This is not working. Uh, we will decide this by crazy ball. <laughs> <laughs> she has to explain the rules to everybody again. <laughs> Team suck. Uh, the the which is Luke, Pandora, and Mom, uh, and they ultimately they start winning. They they're on the game point. Yep. And there's, there's a great bit, Luke. This is for the time you made me eat my sand castle. It's like that was a favor. It will be with you always. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like it was horrible i had to go to the hospital (laughs) but you know they uh, classic calvin ball rule the two balls hit in air which is a switcheroo so they get all the points and mimi runs and punches luke hard in the stomach so they win yeah uh (laughs) dad high fives pg and his hand his his wrist actually gets <laughs> completely destroyed <laughs> yeah, he's just ruined it just it it breaks on his hand oh god uh so pandora's like well i'm just gonna kill him anyway this is stupid i don't know why i agreed to this in the first place and she comes and goes after then mimi obviously stands in front of pg so mom stands in front of mimi yeah, mom's like, what, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And while mom is fending off the, you know, alien monster, we have the frig off scene where they, they sing it to each other. Mimi and oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course, it, for whatever reason, no logic to it, but Luke decides to give the gem back <laughs> because, because of the you song. Know, the song. The song. His emotional moment. to do the thing when the song happens. Yeah. So there's a weird... They, like, they give the, the gem back and PG heals up. Uh, she... You know, Pandora has her sacred blade and PG just pulls out various guts and makes a blade <laughs> out of them. <laughs> right. He's just getting all these guts from all the corpses that are around. No, no, he's getting them all from Pandora. He's pulling out oh, pieces right. of her as he fights her. Like, he jumps right, over right. her and grabs a chunk of her. Which is weird. Yeah, because yeah. she's still, you know, she doesn't seem to need the guts. She's still fighting. 
Yeah, it's it's sort of strange. Uh, there, there's whatever it works. Mimi finally, she doesn't say sorry because she's not capable of saying it, but she knocks it in Morse code, and yes. that's that's enough for Luke. Uh, but then the the hunky boys magazine is is destroyed in the fight, and PG oh, no. sees sees all just claw marks across the the thing he was looking at earlier. He's, not by hunky boys. <laughs> Good callback, and you know that's the big defeat moment. He he destroys Pandora. Yeah, and he says, "I'm Psycho Goreman now." He says, "That's a beautiful name." <laughs> uh, and he gives her a warrior's death. So everybody's like, "Okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> we don't want to see this again." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he gives them the gem back. It's it's like the the end of Dumbo. It's like I found out that the true power is from within, and I don't need the gem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start an age of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks through this portal <laughs> and just starts zapping everything. Well, he's he's first like, thank you for all that you've taught me, such as the power of love. And Luke goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> the power of love. And then it's like, goodbye, Susan, Greg, Mimi, uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes through the portal and just starts rampaging. <laughs> we, we cut to a news report. Giant naked purple man attacks downtown. <laughs> he made his monster grow. He, he is Thanos. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's pretty much it. We we see Alistair eating dinner with his family. He's still a brain. <laughs> yep, that's our that's our credit sequence is him having a nice fancy dinner with his fancy family in their fancy house just having you know regular family dinner well, he, regular he's just sitting dinner. sitting there and he's a fucking brain dad like looks at him this, this is life now and then a rap song about the entire movie in the credits where they go over the entire plot of the movie in rap form i love it do more of it it's great <laughs> pg pg for short yeah <laughs> uh and that is it pg psycho gorman a really fun movie i liked one, it uh, one that i would recommend watching with a group of people uh, uh, i agree <laughs> in its ideal form it's it's more of a it's a party movie yeah yeah it's not one that you sit down with like like by yourself in a dark room with the intent to watch it and absorb it <laughs> I mean, you don't need you to can. absorb this. You can, yeah. and I did, but it's yeah, it's it's much more fun to watch with people. This this is uh, definitely a group watch kind of film, mm-hmm. uh, um, but it's fun. It's just it's it's so ridiculous. The gore is absurd. Uh, <laughs> if if you do have issues with gore, don't watch it. It's just gruesome. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it is super mean spirited, as you said. It does feel. Maybe excessively feels, cynical. Yeah, it, it feels like like. Well, I mean, it came out in 2020, and let's face it, the world was uh, we were going through a lot collectively. Right. I mean, I think it was being made in in 2019, but it, oh, yeah, okay. I I agree that it, it was it's in sort of a weird spot, and it sort of feels 
like more than anything, what it felt like to me is a like one of those comedy network shorts. Like uh is it Comedy Network, Comedy Central? You know, like like too many cooks. It feels like a too many cooks sort of thing, a, a really extended sketch comedy sequence. Like a sketch Honestly, comedy sequence yeah. that's an entire movie long. It, it felt like I was watching like one of those YouTube videos. It definitely has a YouTube comedy flavor to it, which does I don't know, like it's it's obviously way better made than most of those. I love all of the rubber outfits. There is kind of a heart I, to it. I love I do love the outfits, truly. Yeah, and I totally feel that there is a lot of DNA of the classic 80s uh, children's cinema of Canada, which is so deranged and mental. Uh, The Tales for All cycle, which is just a bunch of really fucking crazy movies for kids. Uh, And and it's just sort of the, the... wild and unruly nature of childhood in those movies like peanut butter solution is a perfect example of it that it's just these kids wandering around empty lots hanging out with ghosts and (laughs) (laughs) getting kidnapped by the art teacher and harvested for paintbrushes oh right that's what it was oh my god (laughs) yeah i i would recommend a double bill of peanut butter solution and pg to really get the uh perfect the the full effect of that Maybe, I think that's probably a good. Maybe toss in a classic episode of uh, uh, of like first season Power Rangers in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really get the full effect of what it's satirizing. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good time. I totally recommend it for a group viewing. Uh, if you're into horror comedy, it's one of the better horror comedies of recent years. I'd say. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I because I don't like I, horror I... comedy as a rule. This one works for me. Hmm. I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about horror comedy in general. Uh, I do think this is probably, of the four movies we're going to be talking about, I think that's probably the least interesting one for me. That's fair. I, no, yeah, I, it's bad. I would say I it is my... bad. Yeah, I'd say it's my least favorite of the four as well. I don't know, maybe Amusement Park. Uh, Amusement Park, I think, is extremely impactful, but it's also extremely literal and is very much an industrial film. Like, it is a PSA. Uh, (laughs) It's just one that is going to be haunting me forever because there are several images in it that are just seared into my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So... Let's head on to part two, unless you have any last thoughts on Psycho Gorman. I have no last thoughts. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Or do I? Uh, all right. Let's head on to part two. And we're back for part two, uh, where we've got three more films that we're covering. Really digging into the end of Halloween. Just a squeezing the spooky out of uh, the end of the month getting a few last ones in well you know we could be that family that leaves their halloween decorations up all through november i mean that would be me uh i love <laughs> halloween so much it is my favorite uh but yeah this week you know, we're gonna finish off halloween we're gonna mm-hmm. dig back into the stuff that we missed so uh first i think we want to talk about George A. Romero's unreleased film, uh, basically. You know, he was shown at a film festival once in 1975 and then uh, disappeared. Disappeared. And, yeah, they, they just like put it away because 
Everyone's like, uh, this is too much. <laughs> the, the, it's it's supposed to be a PSA. He was hired to do a public service announcement video on elder abuse. Well, success. He did. <laughs> Smashing yeah. success. It it was oh, too much. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was too real. It was too harsh. Uh, obviously, they just didn't release it because it would have made everybody feel really bad. Uh, it, it finally. It might have been better in the long run, though, you know? Maybe. It's uh yeah it's it's brutal it's it's very bleak, uh, yeah. uh as I mentioned last week there's some images in it that really haunt me, uh, there's a couple in particular, so it's it's about this guy this this elderly man and he does introduce it as a PSA and he's like this is what the metaphor is going to be about so it's it's very literal, mm-hmm. yeah it's like no this isn't an abstract thing that we want you to like try to piece together on your own. This is what we are hitting you over the head with a hammer with this metaphor. Yeah. Because this is a thing that could happen to you, too. Yeah, this is a thing that it's just about. What I think is really interesting is that it's not just about age. Uh, The the age is is a a significant element and it drives parts of it. But it's more about economic disparities. And there's clearly a racial element as well that they're pointing towards, if not uh it's obviously not at the center of it but when he's first going into the park yeah there's all these other people who are elderly and most of them are black yeah they at the gate they're at the gate they they can't go in for whatever reason maybe they've got no money or no tickets well like they're all selling their time which is that's what the clocks fuck yeah they're all each of them has some timepiece that they've that they've brought with them to the park that they want to sell that they think is really worth a lot because it's you know something that they've built their whole life it's it's all the time that they've put into uh, their work through all these years and you got the best ticket taker I can do is five bucks best i could do is five bucks and like ah nobody really you know they, this stuff's old-fashioned nobody really wants this crap anymore and just it it hurts the minute you're near the park it's just pain of course this skips over that part that you were talking about earlier where he's in the white room and there's the version of himself yeah so there's like this old first we've got this empty right white room and this old haggard man he's been beat up he's just he's in a white suit but it's really dirty he's got wounds he's very bloody and he's not recognizable as the same man that introduced it and is talking to him. Like it's it's the same dude, uh, mm-hmm. Lincoln I went Maisel. The whole movie not realizing that. Until no, same, same. He like it, it is very effective how changed he is, both in terms of physicality because he's been beaten down, and obviously his his suit has been uh, very ripped up and everything but it's also just the performance like he he's a changed man from uh how it's uh, from all of the punishment that's been dealt to him uh at the park yeah and his uh younger self from like a few hours ago comes in and is like oh hey would you like to go and do something with me He's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to go out there. I just want to stay here. There's nothing outside. Yeah, there's nothing good. like it. And, and like, the old guy is like, oh, well, 
I think I'll give it a try, won't I? And he's got this. It's it's almost heartbreaking the 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 cheer that he has in the first few scenes as he's like, "All right, I'm I'm ready. I, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to really make a go of it. Let's let's go out and face the day." I've and, got gumption. Yeah, and he he goes out and just it's humiliation after humiliation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we start with the clocks, I think. Yeah, it's the thing with the clocks because it's that's the gate. That's getting into the park. They're selling their time. He himself does not need to do that because he has money put away, uh, yeah. but not a lot. You know, he's middle class, so he's like, I, I can only afford a little bit, but I put some away. And you know, we're we're already starting to think about budgeting and all of that, and how that's kind of tough. And all of them, they just have such low pay, and so their their time is not worth that much. Ultimately, mm-hmm. he's like, well, okay, how many tickets should I? take i want to make sure i have money left nobody's helping him make no. this decision there, no the the, the guy it's who's there like, just like up guy is like well you know get going uh, you know give me your money and i'll give you the tickets that's that's all i care about and there that's that's sort of the the beauty of the amusement park itself as the metaphor is just there's all of these older people who need help who absolutely require some sort of assistance and they're not getting it because everybody else is having their day at the park. They're all having fun. They don't have time for these these people because they're busy having their fun. They're they're living the amusement park. Mm-hmm. Or or the guys working there is like, well, no, my job's to take the tickets, not to help an old man who's getting trampled. Whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, the the whole the amusement park itself is Romero's indictment of both the police and the capitalist system as a hand-in-hand thing that you know brutalizes the underclass uh i mean that's that's really heavily in the text there we we have the police aligned with the uh the the ticket takers and the the barkers and stuff uh and really not there to help people who are being harmed by others really just there to uh, persecute the the lower classes and stuff. Yeah, like the bumper cars thing. Oh my god! Yeah, the bumper cars thing. Uh, <laughs> that guy signaled wrong. He did. We see him do it. Yeah, and they're, they're, like it's it's played like we have the whole thing where they're getting licenses and they're being tested before they can go on the bumper cars. And the old man, oh, there, there's can't. all these people walking in between, and they keep like getting in between him and the thing. So he's kind of having a hard time making out the the letters through all the traffic and the guy's like this is just taking too long you your license is revoked you're gonna have to be a passenger from now on <laughs> yeah and it's like oh uh and then the wife is driving them around in the bumper cars and they rear-end a guy and the police show up and like oh goddamn old lady driver and the, uh, the insurance representatives come in and get involved yeah it and he like tries to he's like no i i saw it uh they uh this she didn't do anything wrong at all i I witnessed the whole thing it's like well it says here you're supposed to be wearing eyeglasses were you wearing those when that happens like well no but i mean i was right there the guy's like we can't trust an old man who can't see yeah and he's just he's like this is already several things down because there's all there's like one of the most haunting images in it, the, like, the, there's two that really stick with me, especially, and it's uh, the the roller coaster thing where one of 
the elderly guy dies on the roller coaster and his wife oh. is left there sitting on the coffin and her family just drifts away and it's it's the sea of people crossing everywhere and our our old man is just trying it's like someone help this woman there, there's nobody to help her why won't anyone pay attention and he ultimately loses track of her in just the sea of people always moving and just all the business of the world uh-huh. that one that really haunts me that just her sitting on the the widow sitting on her husband's coffin being forgotten by everyone else is so potent yeah and there's like this this death just walking around in the, the basement right. park randomly nobody's paying any attention to him because it's just part of it yeah it's just part of what's going on so he, he's just there doing his business uh there's there's that part where he goes to the food stand and everybody steals his food because the waiters are all busy looking after this one really wealthy guy yeah like like over the top pampering him like spoon feeding him his own meal and like he's he's also elderly but he is just being waited on hand and foot while everybody else is pretty much being ignored because he's the one with money yeah uh, but yeah, the men, the men are like our men. All of his food is is given to the other people who are impoverished because he feels bad. Yeah, and they just they just like shovel it into their mouths. Yeah, they they take all of it, and then he tries to buy groceries, and oh, that that one is so humiliating. He he's trying to you carry them, carry and all he the bags, fumbles everything, and he just tries to eat some crackers because it's the only thing he can retrieve. He loses yeah. all his groceries, which were very expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah, he had to pay amusement park ticket. There's just, oh man, something really upsetting about getting them from an amusement park because yes. they're the, not known for being clean. No, it's it's totally, yeah, him getting this bag of groceries from uh, a carnival barker is just, it, there's something about it that really gives you the squicks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, and, and like there, there's like long lines it's like like they've incorporated the bread counters well everything yeah that's yeah it's that like the u.s always warned us about was a part of communism yeah and there, there's the thing where he wants to talk to some kids and just to sort of communicate with oh, younger people and yeah that's like one of the last ones this is kind of this is earlier on this is before oh, the this, landlord this, this thing isn't the book one no no the the other thing where he's trying to talk to some kids and he gets accused of being a pedophile and run off right right like what are you doing talking to those kids what's up with that that's creepy yeah and so he he has to go and this is when we get the landlord d- digression where it sort of becomes an external fantasy that's outside of the amusement park, but it's like a fortune teller telling a young young couple about what their life's going to be, and it's yeah, bleak. it's like it sucks. Yeah, oh man, the landlord's like, well, you know, I can't afford to do repairs, and but also I can't sell it because nobody wants to buy it because I won't do any repairs. Right, and then what the, can you do? The young man is so angered by this vision of his own elderly like what life will be for him as an elderly person and obviously it's related to the economic system and the cycles of you know the money where's the money going to come from and he just runs out and punches our old man in the face it's fucking so brutal yeah. <laughs> uh i i, I missed there, there's also that bit where he they they'd like 
are channeling all these elderly people into this one room that's like, oh, come on, there's fun stuff here. Oh, the exercise room. The exercise room where it's just, there. it's an institution and there's people just in chairs oh. who have been left to be forgotten. There's people being forced through exercise equipment. What the hell? You're supposed to be enjoying yourself. Yeah, and he escapes from there. And it's after that that there's the thing with the young people beating him up, which is... And then oh, it's yeah, he, he and then it encounters bikers. The bikers, uh, and they beat the shit out of him. I, I wonder, I do wonder if Romero has a thing about motorcycles. <laughs> I wonder because <laughs> the the end of Dawn of the Dead, you have the motorcycle gang that attacks the mall. Uh, he did that movie Night Riders, which is where <laughs> people do modern jousting events on motorcycles. What? Starring cool. Ed Harris. That one's kind of fun. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. He, he does have a thing about motorcycles. I don't know. Maybe he's terrified by motorcycles or bikers. But yeah, they, they beat him up and they take all his tickets. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Like when they're beating him up, the theme park is completely empty. Eerily. As soon as they're gone. Yeah. yeah it, it's just for a moment, like he gets out of, uh, like he, he gets beat up by the kid, the younger guy who got the yeah. fortune teller. And he stumbles out and it's just empty suddenly there's no one there except these guys on motorbikes like the the whole place just suddenly empties they beat the shit out of him and then people just sort of show up but everybody ignores him because he's beat down and he doesn't have money so whatever that's one of the that's the one that stuck with me like him just that's, down on the ground yeah. with all the just these legs walking around him it's, and, and yeah. you can see it's like the same people walking circles around him because like, low budget. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's also I think it's also poignant. Oh yeah, no, it, it's it's powerful. It, again, like all of this stuff is. Uh so he has to go to the first aid uh hut oh, or whatever. Yeah. We gave you a band-aid. You should be fine now. Yeah, they gave him a band-aid and a cane, and they're they're just not interested in really helping him. It's just like we need to do something and just rush you through. Yeah, and, uh, and we've been seeing prior to this point just all these old people with band aids and nothing right. else really. And like, right. what's they're all getting the band aid treatment? Yeah, that, that's what they're all getting. They're all getting the exact same treatment. It doesn't matter what it's ha- what problem they have. Mm-hmm. They're just uh, uniform treatments. Like, yeah, stick a band aid on and put them back out there. Uh, yeah, generate more money. Uh, he gets pickpocketed. Oh, I hate uh, the pickpocket. Yeah, and the pickpocket's like, one of the guys who runs the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and like he even says, it's like, you know, some people just want someone to talk to, don't they? Oh yeah, anyway. it's so me. Yeah, he he's try. He pretends to be really kind, and he like sits and talks to him, and he's like, just uh, it, it's like the nicest anyone's been to him, and then he realizes after the guy leaves that his wallet's missing. Yeah, it's harsh. Uh, and then that guy's a barker. Yeah, he's running a freak show, which is old people enjoying themselves, just, and everybody is boo boo. Yeah, yeah, it's literally just look at these old people. This is the freak show. Yeah, and he's like offended by it, so he gets up to leave, and everybody's like, "Where are you going, freak?" Where are you trying to go, freak? Yep. And uh, they start chasing him. Yeah, they chase him. And then there is the part that hurt me the most. 
where, where there's just a little girl who gestures to him. She's reading a storybook. It's like, please read to me. And it, it's like this brief oasis for just a second where it seems like he might have some connection and she's nice to him. She gives him a piece of chicken and he's hungry. People took all his food earlier. He's been yeah. through so much by this point and he's starting to read it. But the mother is just putting away the picnic very loudly all of a sudden. Yeah. Aggressively cleaning up the picnic. <laughs> and he he's like speeding up. He's trying to read through three little pigs very quickly and just wants to get through it for her as much as for him just like find some kind of closure and just before he gets like halfway through it, the mother just grabs the girl wordlessly and disappears and he just fucking breaks. And that's this moment is what just haunts me. Yeah. And he's just like, no, please don't go. And yeah, he just is lying in the dirt, crying, like loudly sobbing and it's just it's it it breaks him he goes back to the room and it's it is the defeated man that we saw at the start who is unrecognizable yeah i was like wait this is the same guy because we've been seeing him so gradually transform into this guy for the last hour and yeah we realize it it, like it's not just it's the same guy it's the exact same scene but we've Mm -hmm. walked through the whole thing with him and we are with the beaten version of him when we realize the optimistic versions like we're horrified at what he's about to walk into again like it's a lost highway he's he's in a loop yeah <laughs> time is a flat circle and you know we get the final closing with Maisel. he's like i'll see you in the park someday yeah, yeah uh, it's like <laughs> you might be beaten in that white room through no fault of your own yeah it'd be nice if someone were there to help you right and the thing is like it doesn't need to end in the clinical white rooms like uh, reach out support social programs help the the elderly you know help the poor uh yeah but things are a whole lot better (laughs) things are better these days uh Uh, i mean i some of it is hard because Victoria, where we live, is uh, it's a retirement community. Uh, there, there's a very high elderly population, and they don't do too badly here because people come here to retire. Yeah, but uh, in cities, like inner cities, this is uh, still very, very real, uh, and a lot of it obviously still resonates with just the the isolation, the loneliness. That's why the the two that really hit me here the the lady on the coffin, the her husband's coffin just being forgotten, yeah. and him just being left with no one, left with nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean it, it's it's incredibly uh, harsh. Like it it really has uh, uh, an an effect on us. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean at the end of this movie, I was just like fuck yeah i don't think i'm gonna be ready for psycho gorman yet right away i had to take a break before i could put that on because i was like i don't think i can laugh yeah i mean when i like i watched it halloween night uh late halloween night and then i did happer's comet after it which you haven't seen yet uh, oh the, yeah the right fall to ham and rye which was a good one after it because it's there's no dialogue and it is just a mood and it's uh, you bring a mood to it as well 
So that one was a good chaser for it. Uh, I think our second film, Don't Go in the Woods, would be another pretty good chaser for it. This is a movie that I find I fucking hysterical. Uh, this, I, I oh, love, love this movie. It's not well-liked. Uh, 1981 film directed by James Bryan. Uh, it was a video nasty. Uh, it's got a real high body count. It's super bloody. <laughs> uh, I, I keep forgetting that it's 1981 because it really feels like 1971. <laughs> yeah, as I said last week, it feels like a proto slasher. I, I was watching <laughs> it the first time and admit I was not an edible. I was very, very high. But I had somehow gotten it in my mind that it was a proto slasher. Like it was from the early 70s and i was watching and there was nothing to dissuade me from it (laughs) Uh, no there isn't (laughs) other than that it is a slasher movie and it has the conventions and it does all the stuff like it is actively copying friday the 13th but it's doing it in such a weird abstract lo-fi regional sort of way that it it's strange like it it feels weird It, it feels primitive Mm-hmm. It uh, it front loads all its kills in the first maybe half hour. Well, it has a lot of them sort of filtered in. It's just it introduces a bunch of characters exclusively to kill off. And then oh, yes. we have our other characters who are introduced who just kind of stick around for a while. And then occasionally we'll cut away to another random character who will be killed. Yeah, or, or we'll cut away to a murder already in progress. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, there, I actually counted how many people uh, get killed and how many, yeah, how many deaths there are in this movie. Uh, 17 or 16, rather. That sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Over the course of about a weekend. Yeah. Uh, the, the time is hard to discern because there's the whole thing where we have both a final girl and a final boy, which is unusual. But the final girl is left in the woods and the final boy comes back to town. And there's a thing where like the cops are involved and they well, come involved. back involved as much as they want to get involved. He's, <laughs> I, you know, as we mentioned, the wrong guy uh, where the, the main cop in that is uh, her, like heroically lazy, the, the <laughs> like historically lazy. Uh, this guy's like that. He, he's training to be that guy. <laughs> this guy does not want to solve any cases the sheriff just i i i've always sympathized with him when i watch the movie because of his they have no reason to be out there <laughs> I mean, they don't they don't some of these people it's like especially the, the last one to be killed the wheelchair guy is like why <laughs> how how are you here yeah not just why how uh <laughs> Yeah, he he says it a couple times. Like most of these people have no reason to be out there, and he's correct. Uh, the <laughs> it's supposed to be this remote patch of wilderness on a mountain, but it is unbelievably overpopulated. It is packed. Every like ten, every like two minutes, we see another group of people that's for whatever reason hiking or camping or uh, fucking in this. <laughs> in this area it it feels like it's like a national park that you like pay money to go to not some out in the middle of nowhere mountain which is what it's supposed to be yeah it's it's very strange because and then there's there's not really trails it's uh... also the first few kills they're so abstract it's hard to say what is happening 
Uh, <laughs> as I mentioned the first time, it, the first time I watched it, I, I thought it was an invisible entity that was doing the kills or that it was because, I mean, you got the killer POV thing, but the way they do it is so strange. And the way the kills happen around the camera, it's like, I don't, it, it's just some force some invisible force destroying them without being able to discern what it is? Well, uh, as I was cataloging the kills, I, a bunch of them I just had to write down killed Dice. by camera or killed by question mark. Yeah, just blood happens. <laughs> you just <laughs> like see these gouts of blood. <laughs> His arm just came off. I don't know how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of arms coming off, which is pretty funny. They clearly had a few severed limbs that they just reused that it's like, Oh, we've got the severed them rip. So there's like two murders right at the start that like before we meet any characters. Yeah. We have, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, typical camper girl, white tank top, booty shorts. She's just running away from things, something in the river running Uh, away from camera. camera. Yeah. Uh, And then there's a bird watcher. He's looking through his binoculars. <laughs> like a comedic bird watcher, because he's wearing like the full outfit, even well, though that's he's... like yeah, every character is sort of a weird type who's just been dropped into this. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, you know, Looney Tunes bird watcher character. He's he's by the side of a river with binoculars and like the the pith helmet and everything. He he looks like <laughs> yep. he's he's on safari. And Something happens he to him. <laughs> he gets, uh, so there's blood. <laughs> I, I I wanted. I could see something just out the corner of my eye, so I actually went through this one frame by frame. <laughs> you can't really tell, no. but it kind of maybe looks like he gets got with the spear. Thing. I think it has to be the spear because it, it seems to pretty much always be the spear. It's just we don't see it clearly see it for like quite a long time. So it just seems like something's happening. We, there's no idea yeah. what's going on. It's just like, well, somebody fucking died. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like it really just looks like this dude's arm just goes flying off when he's in the woods. <laughs> it's it's weird. Like we know there's something attacking him, but we never see any hint of it. So it does feel like, I don't know, invisible kind of orb of death hit him. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, like you mentioned, uh, that thing in the VHS movies that makes right. everything go all pixely. Right, and I think it's the first, no, second, second, uh, short in the first VHS where they go back. It's like some lady who has previously been there, and she brings everyone back to draw it out of hiding because she's going to attack it, and it won't appear on camera. It just appears as static. Great bit, maybe my favorite bit from the first one. It, it's it's really good. That or the haunted house. First first VHS is great. Uh, mm. Not to speak of the most of the sequels, which are rough. First two are okay. Yeah, uh, I think those are the only ones I saw. Yeah, I don't like, think I've seen any of the bad ones. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. They're not the. Uh, I, I mean, they keep making them. There's more of them that I haven't seen. Maybe some of them. Oh shit! <laughs> there's there's a couple last <laughs> year, I think. Well, if they're gonna keep making them, they need to maybe start calling them blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> i i think they i i don't know it's it, it is weird that the first one it's vhs but most of them are clearly not vhs formats like there's that one that's a zoom 
Oh, yeah. Zoom call. Was Why it, is that on that VHS? One, like, Who transferred that to VHS? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yes, but that was Swanberg, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're introduced to our four kind of friends, our main characters. Maybe the main... They're the main group. Yeah, because yeah. they're the ones that don't get killed right away. <laughs> yeah, we, they, they make it past the scene they're introduced in. Uh, it's Peter, Joanne, Ingrid, and Craig. And Craig is a fucking dickwad. <laughs> Craig, oh man, he Craig is an incel. He, <laughs> that's literally how I have him written down because I didn't catch his name the first time. It's like <laughs> Peter, uh, I, Peter I Final Joanne Boy, Tony. uh ingrid and incel yeah uh and uh, there there's a thing where they're like walking and we're sort of introduced to them and they they're present as someone is killed but they don't see it i think yeah with the waterfall no that's not them that's a oh no shit you're right that is there that's them <laughs> they the... walk by they just they don't notice it it's yeah, shot very yeah, weird it, it is shot very weird because we flash back to that scene later on right but we don't it's not clear that we're flashing back to that scene well it seems like it's just a pov shot of what's currently happening and i'm not entirely sure it isn't um <laughs> i have i have like a detailed thing about that scene when we get to it <laughs> it's it's kind of difficult so yeah they, they don't hard. they don't see what's happening but we they're like a couple people get killed while they're walking uh, i call them the literal far side couple oh yeah the 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 lady completely looks like and it, what is it howard howard uh, slow down how daryl is oh daryl 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 slow down leave me alone and she, uh, he, the thing gets her. <laughs> she gets got, um, we just cut away from her and then we cut back to her and she's bleeding. No idea how. Yeah, I don't uh, know. It Darryl got her. fell off the cliff, I guess, or he was pulled off. He's being strangled from behind, but he's also dangling from the cliff. So it's, it's like an impossible Jason Voorhees strangle. Well, because the guy is this, like, ultimately when the killer is revealed, he is just this huge mountain man. Yeah, uh, yeah. who I don't know. He's super powered. I guess he he can I tear guess. limbs straight off and kind of looks like an alien from Battlefield Earth. Yeah, he's got all sorts of body jewelry. I don't get his deal at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> he just kills everyone in the woods. Because then you know they set up camp, and then we have the honeymooners in their van, which I think is the the slipcover art on this. Uh oh yeah yeah the uh, the freaking Sistine Chapel van. I really love the interior of their van. That's it's got like a nude painting on the roof, but everything else is decked out to be their bridal suite. Yep, like I I had to I had to actually again go frame by frame because I couldn't believe that this was the inside of the van, and I was like, did I miss a transition somewhere? Hmm. <laughs> of course, the the thing the. The camera attacks the van. Uh, Dick goes out to investigate. Yeah, well, Dick goes to investigate a noise, and he yeah, gets he... killed. And then the lady gets gets the the van yeah, rolls the... down a hill and explodes. <laughs> the, the, the van rolls down. The way it looks like the van just rolls down a hill and explodes on its own. Because, like, the, yeah, we we still don't 
have any idea of what the killer is. It still seems to be just some sort of invisible force. (laughs) Yeah, like, we haven't seen, is it a person? Is it an animal? We don't even have a clue yet. No idea. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, the the van explodes, so the lady dies that way. Uh, And then, you know, the the hiking... uh, There's, like, uh, the hikers continue to do the thing. There's the lady who's painting gets a spear through her. Oh, yeah, Carrot Top. It's the first time we clearly see what happens because it's a spear. <laughs> it's a spear, like a big, thick, hairy spear with a machete on the end of it. Right. And it goes all the way through her and through the painting. And there's an unbelievably ridiculous amount of blood. It's crazy. <laughs> and then we see this like baby that was in a jolly jumper hanging off a tree is now gone. Right. The 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 killer or force or whatever has taken the painter's child. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhere in between here, we get introduced to the sheriff for the first time. It's... Yeah. Most of those people don't even have any reason to be out there. Um, I'm sure he's not really missing. He's just probably changed his mind, went out to Palm Springs. Yeah. I rented this hel- airplane and I'm flying above, but you know what? He's probably not even down there. Let's just go home. I do really love that his, like, well let's go figure it out. I'm like, are we going to go up there? I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to go on a hike. (laughs) (laughs) They get in a helicopter, they just fly over and like, well, I didn't see anything. (laughs) Go back home. (laughs) All right. That's good. I I looked, I saw. So useless. Uh, There's that really, one of the things that, uh, one of the few scenes that feels kind of eerie to me, the one of the ones that I think is oddly effective, and I do think this movie has a few sequences which are genuinely kind of eerie and effective as horror, just in spite of all the weirdness around them. It's it's there. There's such a variety of tones to this film. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, the next one's like, the sleeping get... bags. The sleeping yeah. bag murders. The sleeping bags come right after Peter shits his pants. Oh, right. Peter shits his pants. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, because he gets scared by another random hiker who doesn't even come back to get killed later on. Although the the same kind of like Peter's jumpiness will come back to to play into a later kill. So it Uh, it is establishing random hiker. Yeah, (laughs) because there's so fucking many. Is this taking People place are, on like Mount Doug Park? Right, that's that is the thing. Like these, it's it's supposed to be this remote wilderness, and it is so overpopulated. There are multiple times where people literally just physically collide. It's insane. <laughs> it's so absurd. On the side of a mountain, the sheriff runs into a rollerblade girl. Right, and it's also <laughs> the thing where. They keep stumbling over, like, not yet, but once they stum- someone stumbles over the wild man's hut, everybody's fucking stumbling over it all the time yeah. for the rest of the movie. Yeah, like, uh, four more people separately stumble upon the wild man's cabin later and on, not- after the first one. No, nobody's looking for it. They just keep finding it. It's like, what the hell's this place? <laughs> yeah, the only one who's even kind of looking for it is the sheriff and you know he's not really looking for it he doesn't know what he's looking for he doesn't even want to be looking right so the sleeping bag kills i think this is one of the really effective ones because one you know the thing i mentioned it was hard to describe with the way it's shot with them in the sleeping bags it's cool right yeah it is it is like this kill we only really see it from inside the sleeping bag so we just see the knife come in 
it's it's a very interesting way of shooting it because it's like they filled the sides of the frame with blankets and then they have the person just surrounded by the blankets in the middle uh just cool i mean i've, I've never really seen shots from inside the sleeping bag like that is creative it's yeah, cool yeah and it, it really works yeah and and it, and it also works to set up like a really kind of scary callback to make our insult guy seem way right yeah. way fucking more unhinged than originally thought his sleeping bag thing is one of the other ones that really sticks with me but yeah just the image of like after he's killed them and then there's this weird quiet eerie image of just the sleeping bag hanging in the tree with all the bleeding stab wounds in it oh yeah uh, which is just a very strange and intense image and like again the first time i watched it i was on a very strong edible and this was when my tolerance was still very low because i was new Ooh. to weed <laughs> And that is one image that is like, oh my god, there's something deeply unsettling about just the quietness of that bleeding sleeping bag hanging there. Because there's such a lo-fi quality to this movie that elements like that where you just have something that's this stark image feel almost documentarian amongst all the crazy lunacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. the next part is... I don't know if it's the flashback or if it's the, I think it's actually just the next day. The next day. Uh, the bear so trap Peter, thing. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, that whole mess. Uh, Peter has separated from the group because whatever. I think he's embarrassed because he shit his pants. So he's like oh, just right, yeah. hanging out on a hill and just kind of keeping to himself. So he sees the, he sees and Fisherman, finally through him. Well, yeah, there's the fisherman and he's watching the guy fish, but he finally sees the killer and through him, we finally see the killer. So the way this scene works, he's up in like this little cave on like halfway up a ledge. Yeah. And he sees this fisherman guy. He's flashing back to, I guess, the previous day when he was splashing water in the river with the ladies. Yeah. He's thinking about that. He's not really paying attention to the fisherman guy and he just waves at him. Right. And then we have this awesome shot where we cut. And, like, we see the whole ledge, we see the fisherman guy at the bottom of the frame, Peter in the middle, and then at the top of the cliff, we just see this big dude with right. a spear. Yeah, who, who's obviously our guy. He's covered yeah. in furs and body jewelry for some reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, the, he he slices the fisherman's arm off, I think. Usually uh, arms are yeah. coming off. Yeah, yeah. Like, Peter waves at the fisherman, who is, like, panicking as the bear trap on a vine i guess swings down and gets him in the face right um yeah that, is still that, looking shot, at this the shot of the the bear trap coming down and hitting his face and just the splatter of blood coming out from it is very funny and it closes on his head and he's going Whoa, he looks kind of like asbestos felt he kind of does and peter though is like still kind of like half looking at this but also half flashing back to it yeah he's like, like Wait, flashing back what is to, happening uh, <laughs> to his playing in the river so it's like a full 30 seconds later that he says no because the guy like jumps down from the ledge and comes to collect the body yeah and he runs to go warn the friends but yes. then the thing gets there first well, first, what happens is the friends are doing their own thing. This is the bag of bitch part. Okay, right, bag of bitch, bag of bitch. And this, having this happen so soon after the sleeping, 
Okay, so I, I guess let's start with what yeah. he's doing. So Craig, for whatever reason, he gets... I don't know if she's his girlfriend or just one of the girls who's there. Uh, it's Ingrid, right? No, or, or Ingrid's uh, the survivor. Ingrid's the final girl? Ingrid's the survivor. Uh, uh, Joanne. Like Joni. Jo- okay, Joanne. 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 Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> gets her in the sleeping bag and hoists her up in a tree for... I don't know why. There, there was some kind of argument they had earlier and he's just been stewing with it ever since i guess yeah uh i caught it what happened was like he was setting up a trap to catch a rabbit or something and she pulled the string and smashed his hand right okay and he's just yeah. been stewing just about been it ever since about it yeah and so he hoists her up into the tree and he's like the monster's gonna get you bag a bitch bag a bitch and he's like she's... poking at her with a. Th- he he's got like a fake spear. He's got like a a log that he's poking at her with. Yeah, and she's like like tearing through the sleeping bag, and she can see the wild man. Yeah, the coming. Little hole in and the he bag. doesn't know it. He doesn't realize he doesn't it. Know it because the wild man is out of frame. But when you see him, he's like two he's feet right away from the guy. There's no way he could have not noticed. seen him. He gets fucking yeah. He gets his arm he chopped off. Gone. Well, his arm, his arm comes off first, obviously. Uh, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> uh, Joanne gets away. Uh, I think she is the first one who stumbles across his cabin. Uh, actually, nope. It's Peter and Ingrid first. It is? Okay. Or, she just wait. runs off, right? Peter. Joanne runs off uh, because she's seen the wild man um yeah no you're right it is that i think it is peter and ingrid who find the place i don't i don't i think they come looking for joanne later the sheriff finds joanne's corpse uh peter and ingrid find craig's corpse in the cabin right and they've uh do they find the baby no they don't find the baby uh i think it's joanne finds finds the baby baby when we don't see it Right, right. She's the yeah, one who does. It's still a very much what's in the fucking box. Well, because it's this thing where everybody is doing their own thing, and it's so scattered. We have all of these characters. <laughs> None of them quite matter. We haven't established most of them as characters. It's just chaos. People running in the woods, and they keep stumbling over the same locations and physically just colliding with each other. And how are the woods so small and so big at the same time? <laughs> and, and like this guy's cabin. He's got so, so many, many sleeping bloody bags. sleeping bags just pinned to the wall. Like like they're trophies of all of these people he's killed. But how did the police don't know about that if if it's been going on this long? Because they, they're all up in these current wave of disappearances. Uh, as I was suggesting, maybe there's like another side of the mountain that he's been getting people from, and that's in another jurisdiction. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's uh Where would they be coming County's from? Problem. it's crazy or maybe he really just did get his start like two weeks ago and these were all fresh bloody sleeping bags maybe he's just really really going into it i mean he is really really going into it he is he's on a fucking rampage it's just where's it coming from we have no like there's there's no even attempt to suggest where he come from or where he came from or what his deal is not even like a campfire legend. Craig does tell a campfire legend, but it's not about this guy, and they're not Unrelated. paying attention to it because it's boring. Yeah, nobody cares because it's Craig because he's a fucking turd. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> so right, they they find the place, they find Craig's body, and they're like, "Huh, that's messed up." Uh, 
And then yeah. it, th this is where Peter kills that guy. That random yeah, yeah, dude. there's this guy who I've decided, like, he's got, like, this square red backpack, so I've decided that he's a DoorDash driver. Okay, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> someone ordered DoorDash out in the wilderness. That fits. I mean, there's people it out fits. there. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> the wild man did it. Yeah. But, but Peter kills him because this DoorDash guy fucking takes, like, the... The wild if, man's spear that he finds. Right, he finds the wild man's spear just sitting there for no reason. It's jingly jangly. So he's it's jingly jangly. He's he's walking through the woods, and Peter comes at him with the spear and kills him. Well, and he he's doesn't. Like, oh he my doesn't god, kill dude! Him. I'm so sorry. No, right. He he spears him, and then the wild man shows up, and he throws <laughs> a sharpened stick spear at him. Yeah. So Peter, <laughs> Peter and the wild man double teamed this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Ingrid's wounded, so Peter and Ingrid run off. And they, yep. they get back to and town. They fucking, they make it. It seems like, oh shit, well, this is the end of the movie. And then... No, we got half an hour left. Yeah, and it's like, wait a second, how is there more left? They've escaped the woods. It's like, they, they're hanging out with the police, and they go to the hospital, and it's like, we want to go back to the woods and find our friends. What's what's going and on with Joanne? We never found like, Joanne. Yeah, doctor's like, well, no, you guys are horribly injured. You're just going to die. Yeah, you, you don't want to go out there and die of exposure. The, there's police dealing with that. The police are not dealing with that yet. <laughs> the sheriff literally says, hmm, yeah, we probably should have gone in sooner, huh? But they don't. They still don't. Because it's it's when it's it's the, the police actually go in when Ingrid and Peter go back and they have to form a search party to find them again. <laughs> yep that's what happens it's like dr maggie says to peter like peter don't go in the woods and peter's like i'm gonna go in the woods i, I need to go in the woods i, yeah, I don't have go in to. the woods so he goes in the woods peter has to go back in the woods so we we do see some further adventures of joanne in here it, this is where she finds the cabin she stumbles upon the cabin uh she finds i think she, she finds, finds the, the baby. baby yeah but, uh, but then, we still don't know that's what it is. We just right. don't know it's a box. And although it's for obvious, the whole time, I think it's obvious that it's the baby. It, it's just not clear whether it's alive or dead yet. Oh. To me, because we saw it being taken, we know that it took the baby. Yeah, but with everything else going on, I'm going to be chaos. honest. By this point, I forgot the baby, and I was like, "What could be in here?" Oh, I was sure the first time, but again, I was intensely watching it with my entire being. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she finds it, but uh, the the mountain man comes back home and gets her. Yeah. So she doesn't get out of the cabin. No, she gets got in the closet. But Peter has, meanwhile, decided to come back looking for her, and they still need to find Joanne. So finally, like, all right, we have, we're missing a lot of people. We finally form a posse. Let's go in there. Yeah, the, I love the deputy. He's like, now we have no fucking clue how many people are in these woods, but there's no idea. I bet it's a lot. It seems to be a lot. So look for anybody's. If you find a body, just let us know. We're we're looking for all of them. <laughs> uh, it's right around here that we first meet the wheelchair guy with his goofy music, and for no no reason to be there. Like I, this no, is one. Like, <laughs> Why he's struggling so hard just to move like two feet ahead. 
Uh, I, I We haven't really mentioned the music in this. It's very early experimental kind of synth, which feels like it's from 1973. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Again, why I thought that this was 1973. Uh, it, it's, it's very unusual. It's got a, a very experimental style to it. But for this guy, it's really farty sounds. So the, the sheriff finds the cabin, obviously. He stumbles across it, and he finds Joanne's body there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting. First, It's the only body that he's kept around. Oh, no, he, he had Greg's body in the cabin, too. Earlier, that... yeah, but it's not there anymore. Oh, that's right, it's not. What? I don't know. Did he, Did what he does eat he... it? Is he eating all of these people? Because, I mean, it doesn't seem to be taking a long time. He's really going through them. Yeah. I don't know what he's uh, using them for. <laughs> don't get it. He he ends up only having the sleeping bags. I don't understand. Yeah, there he, he there. You'd think they'd find a lot more bodies there, but no. Yeah, I have no idea what he's doing with them. Uh, we never find out. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We do not find even an idea of what this guy's backstory could be. They they're they're not interested. We're not we're not doing that. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So the wheelchair guy is the next one because we we threw him in here at the end because we needed another kill. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So. His is it's pretty good. Not great. Well, he gets his, his head, head chopped off. Comes off. <laughs> I mean, it's supposed to be he he gets macheted or something. But yeah. yeah, it it is another invisible entity got him and his head just falls off and it's really bloody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like I I found it was funny because the it's daytime when the head comes off but it's nighttime when it hits the floor <laughs> yeah it's so good and then we just have ingrid looking for peter and then it's daytime again by the time she finds him <laughs> yep uh, <laughs> they they reunite and the wild man finds them immediately and they fucking go sick house on him <laughs> they fucking yeah peter uses the shirt as a decoy and then when the wild man's distracted they get him down and they're just stabbing him and stabbing him and it's, stabbing him. It's just like the end of uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. The die! Die! <laughs> die! <laughs> just it's like machete frenzy. <laughs> yeah. The sheriff just comes by. Like the, the search party stumbles upon them. And they all look the shocked. Everybody's like, oh my god. Oh good lord. The savagery. And the sheriff is just like, well. Kind of makes you wonder. Yeah, that's the end of that chapter. Let's all go home. And they walk away and they somebody left a baby. <laughs> yep. It's this little baby with a little baby-sized but probably sharp axe. Just it's got, yeah, a hatchet. Axing into the ground. Yeah, just chopping. And it's it's the baby that he took. And it's going to maybe be the new wild man, I guess. Of course it is. Oh, yeah. Bobble. Uh, and that is the end of Don't Go in the Woods, which is honestly one of my favorite slasher movies. I get why it's people don't like really it. It's really fun, but it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to keep track of. It's so chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, I don't... Like that scene with the waterfall and the, the bear trap. It's just so hard to describe what even happens there. It's pure chaos. It's just so many things are happening at once. Uh, the... <laughs> the the amount of kills, even though all of them are totally incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so death battle. Uh, 
beautiful wilderness at the end of a movie edition. Who wins between this wild man and uh, Joe Morton, a.k.a. the fiend with the electronic brain, a.k.a. the psycho Agogo? Oh, tough. I mean, I do like this movie more. Uh, there's just something about yeah. it that it's so rewatchable. Every time I watch it, it's funnier. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I think the scenery and how well shot it is. I mean, Psycho Gogo is a very well made movie. <laughs> it actually is. <laughs> That's a weird thing. <laughs> like it's it started with a pretty good movie and then turned into something weird yeah by the end it's closer to don't go in the woods when it's uh <laughs> when it's blood of ghastly horror oh that's <laughs> the last one i couldn't remember what it was yeah that one's don't go in the woods uh but don't go in the woods is much more fun <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, i think this wild man would be that psycho Yes, uh, this wild man seems to be almost indestructible until you have two people fighting him, in which case he yes. just immediately goes down. But that guy can run, though. <laughs> yes, I, I feel like some of it has to be teleportation. There there must be some sort of mystical element to this guy. Mm. But who knows? We don't really find out <laughs> what his deal is at any point. Uh, no, not at all. But I absolutely love this movie. It is <laughs> a great introduction to the work of james bryan who is a very individual film director i really love his work uh it, most of the other ones star renee Harmon of frozen screen you can now see how those uh those two sensibilities would really be simpatico right uh yeah wow yeah. <laughs> so she becomes uh, his leading lady and it it's great to create oh man i'm excited <laughs> So our last one, our, our third movie uh, of part two is Messiah of Evil from 1974, directed by Willard Hoyk and Gloria Katz. Uh, and this is uh, this one is a good movie. <laughs> it, this is good. Yeah, th this one's a trip. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on here. It's really, really bright and vibrant and colorful. It's a very strange, eerie, liminal kind of film. It's it's all this stuff taking place at night, taking place in public spaces, but in the dark, where they're empty and then suddenly they're not empty. <laughs> yep. I, I want to note that the the director of this movie, or the directors of this movie, would go on to direct Howard the Duck. Huh. These are the, this is the couple who wrote and directed Howard the Duck as well. Oh, wow. I, I never saw Howard the Duck. Eh, it's not a good eh. movie. It's not good. Uh, they they also wrote Temple of Doom. Indiana oh, Jones, shit. Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. is kind of crazy. They, they worked with <laughs> Lucas a ton in the 80s. Uh, this has a totally different vibe. It, it's like the how Lucas started with THX 1138, and it's an art film compared to everything else he did. And then this is just mm -hmm. this strange, eerie thing that has absolutely no, no commonality with stuff like Howard the Duck, their later work. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, well, <laughs> it, it's weird because what, there's a few things that are weird about it. One of them is that it has two narrators. Yeah. Uh, the, the woman who is narrating from the mental hospital at the end Arletti. We also have yeah, Arletti, but we also have her father who is narrating through the journals he's written. 
right that she reads until he dies. until he shows up and right yeah and then dies yeah because uh, he has to be dealt with we we've already heard long before he shows up that he's going to have to be dealt with you gotta kill him don't you know oh and you you can't just bury him you're gonna have to burn no, him gonna have to put him to the fire don't put him in the ground yeah i believe that's royal dano i think it's royal dano is that guy the what the only actor who i know from other stuff oh well no there's also alicia cook jr uh charlie who's the the uh, other oh. drunk. yeah <laughs> the drunks are the the characters i i remember um so it's like point doom uh yeah point doom uh d-u-m-e uh, d-u-m-e so you know it's not we're not really naming it after like death and doom not, no, not that doom i think this no. is a real place oh really i think so because yeah, it's it's near Malibu. It's it's the it's a state park. Uh so oh, okay. it's 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 uh it's right near Malibu, California. Uh there's also I think it's a I want to say Andrew Dice Clay is in a movie called Point Doom with like D O O M but it's set in Point Doom and it's like a California crime movie from the aughts. <laughs> I have it somewhere. It looks really bad. I haven't watched it. <laughs> it sounds bad. <laughs> Uh, but this is Point Doom, and it's uh, we we're mostly following the artists who live there and are totally separate from the town, the small town around them. In fact, so separate that they are not privy to the town's dark secret <laughs> until they find out the hard way. Well, it's weird. They keep finding out the hard way individually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they all take turns. Because they, um, they never go out during the day. They're not actually living in the town. It's weird. They, I, I, I do feel there's sort of a political commentary to them being the art people in California and Hollywood who are so separate from the day-to-day of what's going on with all of these people that they don't even notice an apocalypse taking place. You know, zombie I, apocalypse I, I, <laughs> I guess that is kind of what this movie's about isn't it, it kind of seems I mean, to be yeah um who i thought was our villain but is actually maybe kind of our other hero he's just like a rich guy who's there to study it's not america clear what he's there for he's like <laughs> taping people and interviewing people and he's interested in the occult but it seems like he's like he's with the artist group, so he's also unaware that he's like engulfed in the occult. Yeah, yeah. Um, it does seem like he's like looking for a specific thing until later on. He it just kind of seems like he collects. He says he collects stories and legends. Right. He he seems like he's someone who's uh, he he's like maybe a writer who's trying to assemble a, a folk horror anthology, you know, do, do a bunch of folk horror stories about this location. Yeah, he, he gave me a really bad vibe in his first scene, but turned well, out to be an okay-ish guy, maybe. He definitely seems like he's a cult leader at first because he's got these groupies who seem like they're cult members because <laughs> they're both young ladies who seem to be following him around uh, as, as He's this sleeping leader with both of them of course uh and tony is, and laura yeah and is going to be sleeping with our letty that's yeah 
everybody knows that it's going to happen. And the one girl's like, yeah, you're going to sleep with him when when you do. <laughs> right. One of them is really rude. One of them just does not like her at all. And one of them is fine. Uh, it's it, And both of them have individual late night encounters with the populace that end them. <laughs> Yeah, that they don't get a chance to warn anybody else about. Yeah, because it, it just, it happens. And it's those just... are like my two favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, we start off pretty good, though. We've got a dude running away from God knows what. Cult. Cult yeah. members. Uh, I, I would get yeah, zombies. They're zombie-like. They're definitely zombie-like, especially at the end. Yeah, increasingly zombie-esque until, like, they're fighting police as a horde. Yeah. Which really comes out of nowhere for us. <laughs> it really does. Because we're we're in the ethereal sort of nighttime life of the artist, and we're not, we're, we're not following the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this dude uh, escapes into a backyard where this little girl is there, and it looks like she's going to help him, and she razor blades his throat. And that's yeah. our title card. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and then we follow Arletti, our, our main character, more or less. Yeah, we've got her talking about this town, Point Doom, that has a dark secret. And they'll come for you. They'll come one by one, and they'll take you one by one. And no one will hear you scream. And no one will hear you scream. And she's like, her dad lives in Point Doom, and she's come to see him because he's an artist type, but she doesn't know where the fuck he's gotten to. Like, his house yeah. is empty. Uh, she finds the diary, which is creepy. Yeah, um, the house is awesome. Oh, yeah, their house is so cool. It has all these really awesome murals that give the 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 environment sort of an otherworldly feeling because, you know, you'll be coming down the stairs, but there will be a backdrop of... A beach <laughs> yeah like i thought she was i thought she had descended into like some other reality with like super stylistic lighting and she's like descended into this cool cartoon beach mm -hmm. that's just a mural but it looks so cool it's a really awesome mural and there's all sorts of different murals all through the house so that you have all these weird tableaus uh the the visuals in this movie are incredible both the use mm -hmm. of this house and all of the art as well as just the way it uses public spaces at night. Because there's yeah. the two main ones, or the three main ones. There, one at the start where she is at the gas, gas station. station. Yeah. Yeah. Where she first encounters the albino guy. Yeah. Um, who has some corpses in the back of his truck that she doesn't see him, but the gas station attendant does. And he's not, yeah, he's like, huh, that's interesting, but he doesn't. It, it doesn't bother him because I think he's in on it. I think everybody's in on it. Yeah, he he's more like tr just trying to like, I think he's just trying to get the guy, the guy gassed up and through. It. And our lady's just like, hey, you never took my money. She's like, and he's like, yeah, I know, just get out of here. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. There, there's there's shit just, going down. You're not, you don't want to be here right now. Yeah, small town stuff. Uh, the, the, the albino guy is a very interesting presence in this movie. Uh, I, I think he is a black man who is an albino. Like in, in reality, he he seems to be. That's yeah. That's that's what I. That's what he looks like. Yeah, and it, it's. Yeah, and nobody he, looks like him. Right, and he was hired for his look, so he is not necessarily an actor. I don't think he's in anything else, but he's got 
a really weird energy the the way he does his lines and it, it's one of those things like uh what i praise jess franco for is he uses the cheapness of his productions and the uh stiffness of lower uh lo-fi acting to like he leans into it you create a mood with it you you use that yeah and it works like this guy he uh, plays everything flat times. and he's yeah. just spooky every time mm-hmm. no knock <laughs> uh yeah the, and i i love the gas station i love the the vintage gas station with all the neon and just the them at the gas station at night and it really drinks in the the weird atmosphere of it Mm -hmm. as the lights are like slowly being turned off as the guy's getting killed Mm -hmm. uh i i i just love the so yeah los angeles plays itself uh heavily features this movie because uh, it it talks about the the public spaces and uh, the changing nature of public spaces and how a, a movie like this, which documents the reality of these common public spaces of the time, like the supermarket, the gas station, uh, become fascinating as time goes on, and these become the past. And I totally agree. Like uh, it, it's so fascinating to see the Ralphs at night, empty, mm-hmm. fully lit, <laughs> totally stocked. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, that was one thing I, I I actually really liked back when stuff was open 24 hours, like mm-hmm. now in town, nothing is. I, I would just love going to some of these places at 3 a.m. and just doing the business that you're there to do, but also just existing and seeing who else is there. And yeah, it's it's better being very many people. I, I, I would I would like kind of a more 24 hour society, but it's it's tough because you got to have people to work it. Uh, and nobody wants to work these days. No, <laughs> nobody wants to pay what? people to work these days. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> nobody has ever wanted to work. Well, Come I mean, on. there is that too. People yeah. don't want to work. Uh, people just want to bang on their drums all day. People want to be paid to work. You know, people want to be yeah. paid. It's kind of what work is for. So uh, if you don't pay people to work, they're not going to want to well, What are they going to? Why, why would, why would <laughs> why they, they do want it? it? For oh, for duty, with the whips. That's why. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, right. I see. I see. So, uh, it's it's after the 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 gas station thing that she meets Tom, right? Yeah, yeah. It goes like the gas station is the first thing, and then she checks out the house, right? And, and yeah, she oh she goes to the blind art dealer and to ask about her father, and oh, that's right. when she Cause, finds out because he was her father's art dealer. Yeah, uh, that's when she finds out that this other guy was also asking about her father, but but that they're like, we didn't actually know him. He's just an artist. He's over there. He didn't really talk to any of us. And that's Tom, right? No, no, that's her father. Oh, okay. Uh, Tom was just some guy who was also asking about well, her no, father. No, that's what I mean. He was the guy oh. who was asking about her. Yeah, yeah, that's Obviously. right. So he, Tom is the she. This is how she connects to Tom. She goes to see why he was asking about him, uh, and we we get the sort of background that there's this dark stranger with the blood moon. Yeah, we don't get the full story yet, but just that hundred years ago the moon turned bright red. Uh, we got this from Crazy Charlie, the homeless guy. 
And this is Alicia Cook Jr. He's a classic actor. He he's in tons of stuff. <laughs> I'm uh, sure I've seen him. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I would say most famously the Big Sleep and the Maltese Falcon, where he's uh he's shitty villains like he he plays the villain that everybody kind of just clowns on that that's his his classic role he was he was brilliant at that cool cool um yeah he's he's telling tom and by extension everybody else about this story about uh the blood moon and how the children were eating raw meat and and that's uh, important we're just yeah the the raw meat uh the the raw meat is a big thing uh yeah and they're they're taping the interview they're they're doing it on real to real and they're it it seems to be for some sort of art project that they're doing or historical project yeah yeah um and and charlie's like spooks himself with his own story he's like i I gotta go i gotta go (laughs) but he tells our letty it's like he does there's a thing about well you're gonna have to kill your dad uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's literally like you know my father oh you gotta kill him yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to kill him and uh, burying isn't gonna work he definitely needs to be burned burning is what's gonna take care of the problem it's like what problem like i gotta go and then he (laughs) goes and is murdered (laughs) yeah yeah we find out that he's murdered uh because tom is now living in our lady's house our lady didn't know this (laughs) what a scrub (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like well we got kicked out of the motel because the guy got murdered so i guess we got to live here now this is such a 60s thing i i mean again the the specific point in time that this is made is really important this is the autopsy of the 60s in california and you know the era of the manson family and all of these uh, hippie cults in the hills of uh, surrounding Los Angeles that they're just everywhere. And it probably was a thing. There's so many communes in this area. So, uh, their commune dissolves. It's like, well, we need a place to stay. So that we're all crashing at your place now. <laughs> and, and like the two girls are already like in the shower. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at dinner time, that's when they, they, they kind of discuss why they're there. Like the one girl's like, this place sucks. Why are we here? And Tom's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we, this is just where we have to be. And Laura's like, oh, well, when you sleep with Tom tonight, make sure you... And Tom's like, Laura, come on. She doesn't know that she's going to sleep with me yet, but she will. <laughs> I am sick of having to apologize for you. And somewhere in here is where we have the bit about the waiting, right? Where uh, they where they go on the beach and they they stare at the moon. I think so. I think Tom stumbles upon them. It's very eerie. Just a bunch of people lighting lighting beach fires and staring up at the moon, waiting uh, for something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is not clear what. Yeah, and then it's Laura in her late night trip where where we get the Ralphs thing. Yeah, Laura is sick of Tom's bullshit. Uh, Reasonably so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's already got two girlfriends and now he's visibly trying to get in in with a third one in front of them. She's like, I'm done with this. It clearly feels like the start of a cult. He's trying to get his cult started and he's like, I don't know if I really want to be in a cult. I'm going to go 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 drive to San Francisco and be done with this. And 
she i know a drummer yeah i know this drummer i can go <laughs> stay with uh, he's in some psychedelic band right yeah so she bails uh first she gets picked up by the albino guy in his truck yeah that's an interesting he's he's doing the waiting he he has a bunch of dudes in the back of his truck who are looking up at the moon and he's like driving them to places so they can look at the moon yeah and he like says to her it's like are you coming back from the waiting yeah i, I thought he said wedding right right uh <laughs> but he he takes her he, he takes her into town and she finds the she deserted lot out. yeah she freaks out because he's like i caught all these beach rats oh what do you do with them oh, right I eat them. I eat them. Would you, you like don't one? Want one? He's you like don't want so one. He's he's got hurt. one in his hand, a, a live <laughs> fucking huge rat, and she yeah, freaks out. She wants to get out, so he lets her out of the car. He's so hurt that she doesn't want to beach rats, like sharks yeah. too. Like, you don't want one. Yeah, he he isn't trying to menace her. He he is trying to be friendly. He just doesn't yeah, realize just... that she's not part of this. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand um, that she's not one of them <laughs> yet. Yet, yeah. Uh, uh, well, she's not going to get to be. Well, she gets she gets eaten. <laughs> uh, yeah, she goes to the grocery store next. Yeah, she she finds this Ralph's, an all night grocery store. The parking lot is completely empty, not a single car in the place. But she's been following this lady. There's that one one woman that she's been following because every mm-hmm. it's totally empty everywhere else. It's the only person she's seen. And she follows her in there. She's like, wait, what's going on? Where is everybody? What the hell's going on in this fucking town? Yeah, and like the Ralphs is completely deserted. There's nobody there. She's walking through it. She just gets to like the meat aisle in the back. And everybody's there. Uh, and they're all dressed like they're at a funeral. Uh, yeah everybody's in a black suit <laughs> uh they're all just eating raw meat just grabbing the raw meat from the 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 freezer cases and put it in their mouths and she's like oh and slowly backs away <laughs> and of course they all do the thing where they all look up at her at the exact same time right and i think we see one of them cry uh a I tear think of blood we see a tear of blood at this point because I think I it's think the first do. one we see. Because I know we see it in the theater, which is the next thing. So, uh, yeah, she gets got. They yeah. eat her in the grocery store. Yeah, they converge on her and they all chase her. And she gets to the front of the store and they they get her. Uh, she gets a warrior's death. And she gets a warrior's death. And then it's the next night that Tony goes to the movie because she's sick of Tom's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is a real movie. It looks like a really fucking deranged Western. Just so oh, much man. shit happening. It looks incredibly violent with like super happy music played over it. I don't think this is real. I think this movie was just made to be unsettling. I think so, probably. I haven't dug into the special features on the disc yet, but I'm very curious because... Uh, it looks awesome, whatever it is. It looks like a really fucking crazy one. Yeah, but we're not paying that much attention to the movie right now because uh, the theater is almost completely empty when Tony comes in. There's one guy sitting at the very front, and just as the light goes down, he's staring at her. Yeah, and she is, like, at first she's just sitting and does notice the guy, but she becomes really engrossed in this movie because it's such a fucking hyper 
violent, crazy Western. And she becomes fixed on the screen, but we're watching her become invested in it. Like we get occasional shots of just ludicrous violence happening Burning. in a Western. <laughs> Fires, people being shot en masse. And then yep. we keep cutting back to her in her seat eating popcorn wrapped in the movie. And it's just there's more people behind yeah, her. Each time more of them filtering in and they're all dressed for a funeral. They're all these creepy people who are in suits. And, yeah, and then she finally notices and like, what? <laughs> yeah, because what one sits like right next to her. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, yeah, she notices that the theater's packed. And uh, they're she... bleeding. They they do the bleeding from the eye. Yep. Uh, uh, she can't get to the or she the doors won't open, so she starts freaking out. Yeah, and they again they close in on her. This one is a beautiful one because I love how it's just against that pure white backdrop of the theater screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this and movie like, uses its imagery so well. Yeah, uh, and I I even like the restraint because I thought they were gonna like cover the screen with blood, but they don't. They just let her die in the white. Yeah, she's she's just pulled under. Yep. By by uh the the horde. Uh and then the next night, I guess, is the blood moon, because it's it's everybody becomes it, it becomes the full-on zombie apocalypse, but nobody is like our people are still not aware of it. <laughs> no, our our Letty kind of is because she's been reading the Daz journals. Um she in between all this other stuff happening, like her and Tom have gone through some stuff. She burns herself on the stove, but she right. doesn't feel it. Yeah. Um, she starts pricking herself with the needles. Mm-hmm. Like she she's starting to be taken in by it. He's still sort of watching it. We sort of end up following him as he realizes she's unraveling. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, so Tom's wandering around next. Okay, so here's where he sees the beach. Uh, people waiting on the beach mm-hmm. and he first see and then he sees this girl who's like please you gotta help me they, they're they've taken a bunch of us they've taken so many and tom's like i, I can't help you i can't yeah i don't I, I don't know i'm just one guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then she's like notices that she's bleeding from the eye it's like oh no it's too late for me right so he, he we 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 get confirmation that it's part of it and it's, it's yeah. a single or a, a signal of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, someone, the, the Messiah of evil, uh, they're, they're going through the tapes and they find that he, we get the Donner party background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the father, well, it's right around, I think it's after Tom meets this girl that the father yeah. shows up at the house. Right. And after our lady is like barfed out bugs. Oh yeah, a bunch of like bugs and a, and a lizard and, and, and a noli. lizard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they're just in the sink. But what is coming out of her mouth is just like one little gummy spider. I think before that we see the bit where Tom is wandering around town and suddenly comes upon police having a firefight with a horde of zombies. Oh yeah, that's that's right here actually. Yeah, <laughs> like the police come screaming in is like disperse now and. I straight up thought they were telling him to disperse. Yeah, it's crazy because we've just been watching Tom wandering around in the dark. He's seen the people waiting on the beach. And he's like, that's weird. And it's very eerie. And then he sees these cops like screech to halt and pull up with guns and like, please disperse. Like, what the hell? And then like he looks down the street and there's a horde of zombies that they're shooting at. It's like, oh, one 
One of the cops starts bleeding. <laughs> yeah, from the, eye. the other cop shoots him. Yeah, he executes him, runs. Yeah, and... <laughs> but the, the zombie cop gets up and shoots the first cop. Right, because he can't be killed now. He is a zombie. So he, he gets yep. him, they, they swarm and start devouring him. It's like, wow, a, a zombie apocalypse has been happening all this time. We didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I thought... I wonder if that's what happened. I thought Laura was just mad at me, but maybe maybe she wasn't. <laughs> he was like, well, the, apparently something's really going on. Uh, and Tom <laughs> comes back, and this is, uh, Arletti pukes all the bugs and shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, Arletti has to encounter, like, before Tom gets back, Arletti encounters the dad. Yeah. Who, fuck, uh, who is, like, just in the last few seconds before being completely taken by whatever it is. Yeah, he just needs to give this last warning. Yeah, he's like, tell people about this place. So this guy, he got superpowers from surviving the Donner Party. He, he's like a vampire slash cannibal, and he, he's ancient, and he's the messiah of evil, and he's spreading his religion of raw meat. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, n- anyway, I, he's got me now, so here I come. Yeah, he, he does like a whole paint room freakout, and he blew himself. <laughs> and it's just i love this old man covered in blue paint chasing her through this like <laughs> strobing thunderstormy art studio pretty cool <laughs> and she's like flashing back to charlie's like oh you gotta burn him gotta kill him you know yeah so she she gets him with some shears some garden shears and burns him up yeah lights him on fire he goes up like he's covered in kerosene no like the Must end of really uh... flammable pl- paint like the end of Hereditary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, Tom comes home to the charred corpse. And uh, he he startles her, so she stabs him. It's much like yeah, Peter. She's... Like, oh shit! She gets him. Uh, but yeah, he's, not, he's not killed. He just gets He's not wounded. killed, no. He just gets stabbed in the arm. Yeah. And it's right around here that the zombies begin throwing, hurling themselves through the skylight, like yeah. With such force that they like hit the wall before they hit the ground. It's amazing. It's very intense. All of a sudden, like things just really, really it, escalate. Yeah, we're like full zombie apocalypse mode. And they're running. They they run nowhere. to the beach. They're being pursued by just a horde. And they decide they're going to swim out to the boats on the horizon. But Tom fucking can't make it. He drowns <laughs> yeah, because of her stabbing him. His, yeah. his, he can't swim. And yeah, he's uh, he's badly just, wounded. Yeah, she just turns around. He's just gone. He's just not there. Yeah, he he just didn't make it. Uh, but then uh, she I guess she, she gets picked up. She, I think she ends up back on the shore because the the people get her, but they they let her go so she can spread the word. That's what it is. Yeah, and now she's in the mental hospital. Yeah, uh, and she just sits there waiting for. Well, and it's it's her. The, she's trying to tell people, but like they it's, won't it's believe like, her. It's the voiceover from the start. It's it's where she was and what what yeah. what she was doing there. It's kind of like we 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 get back to the frame, uh, and no yeah. one will hear you scream. Ah. Uh, like she yeah. screams it. <laughs> it fucking rules. It's so good. It's, this movie's awesome. I totally love Messiah of Evil. It's it's one of my favorite, really interesting atmospheric horror movies of the 70s. It it was not well liked when it came out, and I think it took a really long time for critical reception to come around on it, but I think it 
kind of has now. I, I could see why this would be unpopular at the time. I mean, one of our heroes is a polygamist, it looks like. It's true. Uh, this was It was famously insulted in Annie Hall, the Woody Allen movie. Oh, really? Uh, there, <laughs> it's in uh, Los Angeles plays itself. He he makes a point. He he like dissects the joke where uh, it shows two movie houses, uh, one in Los Angeles and one in New York. And New York is playing, I think, the Pity and the Fear, just like this big art film, or maybe the Sorrow and the Pity. I think it's the Sorrow and the Pity. Anyway, uh, and the the Los Angeles one is playing Messiah of Evil, and it's like. It's it's showing how trashy Los Angeles is compared to the artiness of New York. <laughs> Sigh of Evil's good though. It's, it's an like art a, film. It is an art it, horror. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's it kind of reminds me. It. It, the vibe kind of reminds me of like if two orphan vampires ended with a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, it's got a real Roland vibe. It's got a, a serious Euro horror vibe to it, and I think it's great like I, I think it's genuinely one of the great 70s horrors it's 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 really fun i really like it i, I like everything about it it's got like an incredible just, vibe yeah i like how we can just take and follow just follow a side character for long enough that you think she's gonna become a main character until she dies mm-hmm. and do that a few times well and it's so surreal and it's got kind of a cosmic horror feel to it it, it feels like there's so much beyond the edges of what we know about in this movie that we, we see just this tiny corner of this huge tapestry of supernatural stuff going on. And just like, we don't know what happened because we're, we're stuck with these people who are so on the fringes that they never pay attention to what's happening. Yeah. They're, they're just like, it's at the point. All she could really do is repeat what the Messiah Messiah told him Oh my gosh. We're at the point at the end where all she can do is repeat what the Messiah told her to say because she doesn't actually know what happens, so she's yeah. just got to take his word for it. Yeah, she she really had no idea what the hell was happening in the movie. Uh, things just kind of fell apart. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It is uh, the, the Western that she watches is a real movie uh it's it's a collage of scenes from it it's a movie called gone with the west oh it is oh wow uh interesting it's a contemporary movie and it has james khan oh it's kind of interesting i've never really seen james khan as a cowboy uh also known as little moon and judd mcgraw terrible name (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, interesting. I'm I'll, I'm gonna have to look for that one because what we see of it makes it look really fucking cool. But maybe they just got every cool moment from the movie. Uh, maybe, or maybe it really is just like all oh, cowboys burning all the time. <laughs> Hell, I mean, I need to see it then. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> cowboys on fire. The movie. I'm uh, sure we would have heard about it if it I think was we would have heard. <laughs> it's this good. Uh, so that is all three of our secondary uh, group of films for this week. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on any of these before we head on to part three? Yeah. Don't go in the woods. You won't like <laughs> it. Oh, don't go to the amusement park, man. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, yeah, that would, it, that movie is going to haunt me for some time. <laughs> it's uh-huh. just uh, very, very haunting. All right. 
let's head on to part three for movies that I don't remember as distinctly as <laughs> the amusement park. We'll figure it out. We'll get we'll through it. it. We out. might not be right about everything we say, but we'll figure it out. I'll remember some stuff. Uh, all right. On to part three. And we're back for the third and final section for this week. Uh, we're going to look back on the movies we cut, we are uh, that mostly I watched as uh, some that you watched uh, on our lengthy technical difficulties break of uh, late August and through September. Five or six weeks of, yeah, no internet. Yeah, Yay. which uh, probably not too bad for your mental health, ultimately, but uh, not a lot of fun altogether. <laughs> you know, now that you mention it, <laughs> yeah. ever I, that, I did feel good that month. Yeah, I felt a lot better ever since uh, Elon Musk made Twitter unusable. <laughs> yeah, being off Twitter, uh, like I said months ago, uh, as soon as uh, he took over and things started to change, I just left it and it felt so good and I've never looked back. <laughs> I, I don't even have it on my phone anymore. Yeah. I saw that the, the icon made me too angry. I was like, you know what? I'm going to delete this. It's It's got to go. Uh, <laughs> he killed the temptation. I don't even want yeah. to go back. Yeah, not Thanks, interested. Elon. It's gone. Uh, by the way, speaking of gone, the SAG strike just ended. Oh, shit. No kidding. Just, just uh, while we were on our break, I looked at the news and uh, the SAG strike ends tonight, which is good. Oh, good. I hope I hope it worked out. I, I, hope I mean, got, I assume it did. <laughs> they must. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hope they got what they were asking for because, man, some of that was basic shit they should have had anyway. Yeah, and uh, AI is a threat, <laughs> genuinely. Mm, I mean, I, hmm. I've made some jokes about it. I, I did say uh, whenever we were talking about, oh, what was it? Uh, there was some movie that was uh, a really bad sequel. I, I want to say Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, I think it, oh, Ghostbusters oh, yeah. 2 is like, could AI do any worse? I'd still kind of stand by that, but at the same time, you know, writers. <laughs> so we've got 44 picks this week uh, <laughs> we're, we're going deep uh this is the crumbling memory palace stacks because uh i watched all of these august and, uh, and september it's now november <laughs> so you know whatever we pick i will re-watch because i'll need to uh, oh, well, yeah. for, for pretty much most of them uh, but all of our picks are going to be from this bunch this week. So I'm going to go through all of them and talk about what I can recall. So, right. so to set the scene, uh, because it is kind of, uh, it's, it's key in understanding my first couple picks. Uh, we had just chosen Friday the 13th part two and certified copy as our next main picks. Certified oh, wow. copy was really in my mind. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing I put on, I, I was thinking of simulacrums, uh, things that are fake versions of an absent real version. So you're vaguely familiar with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. You're probably not familiar with their movies, right? Uh, there are names that I know that it's like, I recognize these names. They're actors, aren't they? Rat Pack guys, Dean Martin, okay. uh, you know, did a lot of singing. Also, it had a TV show, did lots of acting. 
they were like the number one comedy duo of the early 50s. Okay, okay. They had like a whole series of movies and they were so wildly popular that there's this brief window of time where they had impersonators. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know your big win. Yeah. So this is a movie with a fake Martin and Lewis. Oh. Uh, Duke Mitchell and Sammy Petrillo. Or Petrillo? I think it's Petrillo. Duke Mitchell, you would know from the Executioner, a.k.a. Massacre Mafia style, uh, which is a movie he directed and starred in himself years later. Uh, where he's this mafioso who's making all these speeches about, oh, it's not fair the way the mafia's true, the Italians are, oh, betrayed his criminals in media. And, you know, then he goes and kills an entire office building full of people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I remember that. I definitely remember the title. So in the 50s, he was a Dean Martin impersonator. Okay. So it's him and Sammy Petrillo. They're Martin and Lewis, and they're doing a fake martin and lewis movie like a really cheap shitty one uh because they they did they weren't the road to guys that was hope and crosby but they did similar stuff they went on adventures okay where they were still martin and lewis basically uh where you know they they were supposed to go to a show and then they crash land in the jungle which is the plot here uh right. <laughs> so they're on this the fakiest jungle set uh, I mean, in terms of the certified copiness of it all, it, it's really heightened how fakey everything is. It looks it, like everything's unreal. You have a bunch of fake natives, a bunch of people pretending to be, you know, jungle natives. <laughs> so fake. And they're doing just really bad Martin and Lewis uh, parody shtick. Like they're trying to do their shtick, but just the shittiest version of it. Okay, okay. And who should they run into but Bella Lugosi? Uh, so, like... I, 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 oh, yeah, I haven't mentioned the title. The title is Bella Lugosi Meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. Okay, so um, up until just now, <laughs> nothing you describe sounds like anything that belongs with that title. I'm actually looking at I was looking at the thing. I'm like, is, are we talking about the right one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's like a fake Dr. Moreau. Sort of a bootleg Dr. Moreau, right? Sure. Uh, and he turns Duke into a gorilla. So he's the Brooklyn gorilla. Uh, but the, the weird shit is just, they show up and they're like, well, fuck, that's Bella Lugosi. It's <laughs> <laughs> the guy who plays Dracula. What the fuck's he doing here? Oh, so the idea is that Bella Lugosi, the actor, is the mad scientist? <laughs> Well, he like he is playing a character. It's just they recognize him as being oh. the guy who played Dracula, which is it's like again the the weird oh. certified copiness of it. It's it's these weird fake reality of everything. Uh, okay, I'm I'm into that. <laughs> and and like they recognize him as like what is he doing here? He's too big of a star <laughs> to be in this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's very strange. And one of them gets turned into a gorilla and just bad shtick it's it's <laughs> awful it is oh really god fucking awful but oh i fascinating. was like i was gonna pick this <laughs> i i mean it's it's an interesting watch uh but it is just a <laughs> bizarre thing uh like I, it is included as a hidden special feature on another disc i have oh okay there's um yeah which one is it 
on on Gone with the Mafia, or not Gone with the Mafia, that's the other one, that's the sequel, on Massacre Mafia style, uh, if you go into the filmography special feature for uh, Duke Mitchell, uh, one of the titles, you, you, you can just like click over and watch the movie. It's included on the disc there. Yeah, it's cool. All right. So next, uh, another Sammy Petrillo film, this time without Duke Mitchell. Uh, it's just him going solo, still doing his fake Jerry Lewis shtick. Oh, okay. <laughs> this one is a nudist camp film. <laughs> oh, right. There was that, uh, there so was all those nudist movies. Yeah, I, I covered, I, I talked about a ton of them yeah. with Doris Wishman, because she did a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody was making them. There's tons of these. So there's one, this is one with Sammy Petrillo, and it's like, it's sort of a documentary of nudism, like most of these are, but it's narrated by him, and it's like through his POV, because it's like, he's talking about how he's going to go to this nudist colony this weekend to this co-worker of his who's a real fucking weirdo. Okay. And he tells this story about him stalking two ladies. Okay. Because <laughs> like he saw these two really pretty ladies and he decided to, to, to follow them and he follows them to a nudist colony. And like almost the entire movie is Sammy Petrio hiding behind some bushes. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like the same bushes. It's just they, they they put some bushes together and they have him standing behind some bushes. And then they cut to other footage of people being nude. <laughs> just, oh, like that uh, that jungle movie that we watched. Yeah, yeah like like the Ormonds. Yeah, it's like one yeah. of those. Uh, almost the entire thing. It's just him doing that. And then ultimately he joins the nudist colony. Uh, and well, of course he does. There's a pretty good bit with the guy who runs the nudist colony. He's the producer of the movie and he's just really vigorous in the rules. And like, and if you do that, you're <laughs> out of here. Uh, nice. And just all these things you can't do. You can't touch people. You can't like, it's, it's not, it's, it's implicit. Like you get an erection, you fucking out of here. This is not what we're doing. Very, very strict about the rules and uh, people's personal freedoms and everything. Like, you know, everybody's got to have their own place. It's kind of nice in that regard, but it is funny with him. Just George Weiss, just yelling at Petrillo for a solid 10 minutes. (laughs) So he joins the nudist colony and then it cuts to him just again behind the bushes, except now he has his shirt off. Because he's still too shy. Uh, I mean, again, bad, but (laughs) the two of them together were kind of a fun double bill. All right. (laughs) Next is McBain. Uh, You know, Simpsons McBain, why they couldn't use the name McBain anymore? They started calling Rainier Wolfcastle. It's because of this movie. (laughs) I, I didn't know they stopped calling him McBain, honestly. I mean, it, basically, they just, they had, to, this movie came out, and it was like, you can't use the name anymore, so it's like, okay, we'll just start calling, we'll, we'll name the actor who plays McBain, and they still talk about McBain, but it's not the character's name anymore. It's Oh, oh, okay, that's, yeah. that's what you mean. <laughs> I mean, if I watch this, of course, the whole entire time, I'm going to be thinking of the Simpsons character. Oh, completely. And it is from that action era. So it's the really fucking heightened stuff. Same year as Stone Cold. It's got a real Stone Cold kind of vibe to it. It's like, how did this movie disappear? How how do people not know this movie? 
because uh, <laughs> it's it's insane, uh, just so un- absurdly heightened. So at the beginning, we got Christopher Walken. He's in Vietnam. He oh, saves this man. dude. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Walken is McBain, by the way. Oh, fuck. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he saves this guy in Vietnam, and the guy tears, like, I think it's a $100 bill, and he gives Walken half of it, and he's like, all right, life debt. You know, if I ever encounter you again, you get the other half of this bill, uh, and, you know, we, we'll, we'll meet up someday. And it's like decades later, it's, you know, it's 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christopher Walken has become a soldier of fortune worldwide. He's McBain. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his buddy who he saved has become the leader of the junta uh, in Colombia. Like that that's the amazing thing to me about this is that it's not a made up South, South American nation like they tend to do. It's just these are the guys who are fighting against Colombia and they're explicitly like the entire government is in the pockets of uh drug lords and drug runners and you know it's a government founded on cocaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like this is an actual country that exists right now. Uh <laughs> So he's trying to overthrow the government and he gets killed by the president on television. Oh, <laughs> he's one of them badass presidents, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole, you know, he's a military president. There's this whole thing. Uh, and he's he's begging for the U.S. government to come help them because, you know, they feel that they share the same values. They just want to overthrow these drug dealers who are, you know, uh, d- damaging the nation, etc. cetera. Uh, but the U.S. can't, can't help. You know, they, they can't right. come in uh there's nothing they can do really uh there's no oil there yeah so mcbain he he has to go because life dead Mm. Uh, he's got to go avenge his friends so he overthrows the colombian government i might have just (laughs) let him keep the hundred bucks (laughs) he 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 literally just heads to the country and he fucking (laughs) overthrows the country uh it's insanely violent really crazy the 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 hilarious thing during the the sequence when uh walken is overthrowing the government uh we cut to the american president who's on the news proudly uh talking about how he's introducing new red white and blue money (laughs) weird like so 90s again very stone cold-esque (laughs) uh next after that went deeper into classic you know fundamental modern action 48 hours uh the movie that started the buddy cop wave of the 80s oh i haven't seen this so it's eddie murphy in his star making performance basically this is how he broke out of snl uh okay so it's him and uh i think nick nolte nick nolte uh nick nolte's kind of a racist cop like Mm. he he's he's not super racist but he's a little racist he's a cop in the 80s uh and he has to get uh you know axel foley you know the very famous theme or no axel foley is that shit that's beverly hills i think that's beverly hills cop yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway eddie murphy in this movie he's a thief who he springs from jail to help him to get this guy uh, who he knows from jail. Okay. So he's going to get him. He, he's like briefly out of jail to 
uh, help him on this case. And, you know, if he, he helps well enough, if they're able to get this guy, he can, you know, get a, a reduction in his sentence and stuff. Okay, okay. So he's kind of like an action Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, and, you know, he he's a good guy. He, he just, uh, you know, he, he's done some petty theft, but he's very charming. He is Eddie Murphy, just... At right. full throttle. This is 1982. Oh. He's at the fucking height oh, of God. his powers. Man, I've seen so little of like this period, Eddie Murphy. Mostly, I've seen his uh, bad stand-up like, that has aged poorly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, or like the SNL uh, stuff is pretty great. Some of it. I'm thinking like the clumps and that shit. Oh, I so never saw the clumps. That's like a good decade later, you know. Yeah, but that's yeah. Like, that's like the era that I'm used to. For right, the the sleepwalking era where where he started <laughs> to get into kind of just ah eh, put me in a big fucking suit. I don't care. I mean, although some of those he was still doing five characters, but you know, it's it's yeah. the slide into the adventures of Pluto Nash. Mm. But this is him being like, I'm a fucking movie star. Pay attention to me. Uh, there's this incredible scene and it's the movie. It's the scene everybody talks about. Uh, he, uh, they go into this honky tonk bar full of fucking rednecks playing country music. And it, it is one of those record scratch. Everybody stops and looks, there is a black man in here. Excuse me. <laughs> Confederate flags on the wall. I bet. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And he goes in and he's like talked to Nolte on the way and is like, okay, let me handle this. I'll take control of the situation. And I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. And it's just him. It, it's basically like, I'm a fucking movie star. Everybody shut up right now. Pay attention to me. I'm the movie star. Uh, he, he goes in, he goes into this crowded bar. He picks up a shot glass. He throws it into the mirror behind the bar. Everything shatters and everybody has to turn and pay attention to him. And he's like, I'm the movie star. And then the whole movie is just, he's taken the movie. It's, it's his now. Interesting. Okay. It's great. Uh, I mean, the aesthetic is incredible. It's, it's really classic eighties action. It's Walter Hill. Who's, you know, one of the all time great action directors. Cool. Right on. Next is Octopussy. She's got eight of them. Uh, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what happens in this movie. This is the a one that fellow double O agent is found dead with a Fabergé egg. Uh -oh. Yeah, Fabergé eggs. This is the boring core James Bond movie. It's like <laughs> the the first time you hear the Bond theme. I'm not kidding. It's in fucking slow motion. Like uh, the opening credits <laughs> look like a Calvin Klein perfume ad. <laughs> no it's really slow it they now. they like point the guns up and smoke comes out that's like in color with glitter and it's like what are we doing this is everything it, it's like i i feel like they're maximizing the elegance porn element of bond which is always an element in them you know oh, the, sure. the high society shit it's just this one the whole movie is the high society shit it's like let's really lean on that part it, it feels mm -hmm. like Bond as a perfume ad, uh, you know, Fabergé eggs. The, he, he goes to a backgammon competition. <laughs> uh, I don't he's... know if I've seen this one. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen this one. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie like 15 times. And I can never remember a goddamn thing about it. 
that's like that's me with so many of the bonds though honestly it's true but i mean i am so into the bond movies i i can't even explain it there's something that draws me to these movies they're fascinating to me i've read all the books too uh yeah, they're always fun to watch when you're watching them usually i i there's Sometimes. there's some counter arguments there uh, die are... another day Ooh, uh, i haven't seen that one yet Ah, I'll talk about that one next week because <laughs> I rewatched it this week, and we'll we'll cover the couple things I watched in between uh, with our next week stuff. Because I've been watching the Bonds, uh, and I'll tell you, they get worse than Octopussy. <laughs> oh, do they? <laughs> the Bonds are pretty bad, most of them. Anyway, they, next they were please. great. They're not. They they ain't. Uh. Next up, we've got The Escapees, which is a Jean Roulin film. Ooh. One of the later ones. It's uh, an 80s picture. Uh, it's a lot of his stuff, a lot of his usual themes. Uh, you've got two ladies on the run. He loves the two ladies on the run thing. <laughs> uh, they're they're running away from a mental institution. Okay. And they like they end up at the docks. Uh, there, there's like this freighter that's a nightclub. You know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer runs away because he doesn't want to donate a kidney to his father, and he's <laughs> shamed, so he lives on a freighter for a while. Is that a latter day one? Very latter day, yeah. Uh, okay, I don't know. Near it. the end of the stuff I've seen, thirteen maybe, season twelve or thirteen. Mm, yeah, I've fell off around nine or ten for me. Fair, fair. Anyway that kind of vibe they they're on a freighter that's a nightclub uh and they they because they they get out of the institution and they're on the road they hitchhike and a bunch of exotic dancers pick them up and they kind of just get folded into the exotic dance troupe uh and they're 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 kind of being pushed into sex trafficking because that's what all of the exotic dancers already do uh right. it's it's weird because their their plan is they're gonna like hide out in the freighter and they're going to get on a tram and and escape overseas right okay uh so it's it's a lot of like your usual roland stuff and those themes but the thing is it doesn't have the dreaminess uh it feels fairly realistic so it's got oh. just this cold light of day to it and uh, like it, it's mysterious in the way it's put together. The the characters don't make a lot of sense, but it doesn't quite have that dreamy feel to it that sort of makes them especially compelling. It 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 feels a little grungier uh, with yeah. with it just being you know these ladies hanging out at the docks after they got out of the insane asylum and they're just like being manipulated by people and stuff. Yeah, I, good, I just... but it's it's a tougher one. Hmm. I'm just now. I'm just imagining uh, they're doing this exotic dancing and stuff on their freighter in the docks, and Homer Simpson's there, like this mm. sex trafficking bar doesn't have a fire escape. <laughs> Enjoy your death trap, ladies. Yeah. Uh next we've got Ocean's Thirteen, the third one. Uh, so that, you know, the second one was not loved, <laughs> right? One of the most hated movies. Uh, so he kind of had to come back and be like, I can make a movie that people enjoy. Look, I can just do the first one again 
with uh, a bit of the riffing of the second one. They just do that. It's fine. Okay. Uh, it's good. I liked it. Uh, but you have to have seen 11 and 12 to get much out of it, I feel like. Oh, okay. It doesn't stand alone necessarily. I mean, it's just a lesser version of elements of both of them. Uh, and okay. it's just you're you you just get a lesser product it's it's way better to see the other two gotcha gotcha uh but you know it's fun uh it's it's solid entertainment it's very mainstream like probably the the safest of the three good to know good to yeah. know uh next is the grave which is a very tales from the crypty kind of movie uh, it feels almost like it, uh, an extended Tales from the Crypt episode from that the 90s show. Mm. There's these two guys, they're in prison, and they they find, they hear about this mapped uh, secret treasure, like that prison break show, right? Right, right. Is that what that was about? I actually don't know. This guy has like a map on the a tattooed on his back, and they're breaking out of prison using it. I don't know. I haven't seen that show either. <laughs> uh, big seller when I was working it future shop i think so i had to know a little bit about it but never saw it anyway uh they have a map to there's supposed to be a grave that's filled with treasures they're gonna dig up this grave and it's actually got a bunch of treasure in it right sure sure that's the sort of goal that is only in tales from the crypt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if they stop to think about it for a second like you don't think this is a cursed idea and that we're going to just totally get ironic punishment out of this? Obviously, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, for sure. It's the point. I mean, also the thing is, like, if you're not in ancient Egypt, you probably weren't buried with your possessions. Not typically. I, I think it's supposed to be uh, like an underworld crime secret, you know? Oh. So pirate adjacent. <laughs> oh, oh, it's not really a body there. It's where this guy's hiding his shit. I think it's a body and a bunch of shit, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't work out for them. <laughs> Ironic no. punishment. Tales from the Crypt. Uh, next, The Grim Reaper. Speaking of Ironic Punishment and Tales from the Crypt. Uh, this one, so the Ormonds, the Burning Hell, I talked about way back oh, the week before yeah. we left, uh, where Ron Ormond uh, now has, he he's like a hippie and he's with this biker and they say no we're not gonna listen to your sermon on hell and then they drive away and the the friend is horribly killed and gets decapitated in a motorcycle accident <laughs> so he comes back to the church and your friend's in hell and there's nothing you can ever do about it and just yells at him about hell and describes hell for the whole movie great i love that one <laughs> i guess perkle owned the rights to all of those though so they're oh. like huh what if we made our own mockbuster of our own movie? <laughs> so it's like oh, a no. it's like a cheap version of it, and they get a bunch of different other pastors and preachers in, including Jimmy Swaggart, disgraced eighties telepreacher. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, prior, you know, well prior to him being disgraced, but right. you know, one of these guys who was caught with a prostitute and stuff, of course necessarily after you know bilking people of millions well, uh what are you gonna do with your millions what you gotta do with it you gotta take it with you yeah you for the <laughs> prostitutes yeah so uh you know the, it's it's again uh, tim is there and he's talking about 
hell. This time he's not cool. Like he's not the one learning about hell. He's the one preaching about it. Okay. Uh, and it, it's not really hell. You know, they're talking about how death will come for you, but it's it's the same essential thing. They're you know talking about the torments that await you after death. Uh, so you need to get all your ducks in line. You got to make sure that you're right with God all the time, so that you're ready the moment the Grim Reaper might randomly take you, so you don't end in, end up in hell forever. Uh, right. Right. How? Yeah. How that works? You could just. As long as you say you're sorry before the Grim Reaper gets to you, but he might get to you faster than you can say you're sorry. Yeah, so you just got to really make sure you're sorry all the time. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's right. that. Uh, it sucks. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Tim. He, he It's like he's Wesley in the first season of Next Gen if he was like a born-again Christian. Oh, he just wanted everybody God. to know about it all the time. God, really hard sounds... to take. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. Not a fan. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I haven't come back to the Ormonds quite yet. Uh, next, we've got The Shining. Uh, not a pick because we've already covered it. What a fucking great movie! This is pretty good. You know, uh, I heard that all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, you know, one of my top five movies of all time. Uh, perfect. It's a good. One. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, uh, Hell's Windstaff, also known as the Dragon and the Tiger Kids. Uh, this is the last wow. one in the Jackie's Exploitation box. Oh yeah, that box or set from Gold Ninja. Uh, this one's got like two fake Jackies. Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe one of them is supposed to be a fake Samo Hung. It's sort yeah. of unclear. They're they're doing they're both Jackie esque. They're doing a bunch of Jackie stuff. Uh, there's this evil master who's got this legendary weapon, Hell's Wind Staff, uh, <laughs> and they need to train to be able to take him down because he's, you know, killing the shit out of people as uh, tends to happen in these. The 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 mix of extremely gruesome, brutal violence and very light comedy is always a weird line that these tread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you saw one of these, right? You, you remember. Yeah, yeah, we're... I barely remember it. It was like the two princesses were getting involved. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The previous one in the set. I yeah. also do not recall what it was called. No, I remember very little of it. It was so so. Yeah. Next, I watched Friday the 13th Part 3, but we have since covered it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. 3D. Uh, next, I watched The Handmaiden. We've covered it, sort of. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, we did. Yeah, I mean, we but we'll probably come back to it sometime because uh, we we kind of half covered it, but eh. yeah, uh, we won't cover it again quite yet. Anyways, no, I don't think so. So next, a view to a kill, the next uh, Bond film, the last Roger Moore Bond film. I think I've seen this one. It is Goldfinger. Roger Moore was still doing these in 85? Holy fuck. He's fucking old. He looks so, so old. There, There's a part at the beginning where he goes to a racetrack and he is just in the oldest man suit and he meets Money <laughs> Penny and she is really old. It's like seniors at a cotillion. It, it feels like, what? How is this James Bond? <laughs> well, would you like to come... Agent 007, would you like to come solve a spy mystery with me? 
I'm here to the amusement park. Yeah. Uh, I, man, poor Roger. I, I really feel bad seeing Roger Moore there because he, he was a victim of domestic abuse from his wife. Oh. So oh, I'd feel, geez. I'd really feel bad about that. But yeah. Uh, I, did, I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, Roger Moore, he is just too old here. He is not, it's, it's not right for Bond. He looks, it's the oldest he's ever looked. I've seen him in later movies where he does not look this old. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. They, oh, just no. the way they were styling him, the the clothes they put him in. Uh, but it's it's a fucking remake of Goldfinger. It's just Goldfinger. They, it's a slightly altered plot, but it's Christopher Walken as Goldfinger. I was going to say, is this the one with Christopher Walken and he just yeah. drops the guy off the blimp at the very beginning? Yeah. Uh, Grace Jones is his odd job. <laughs> I, I have seen this one, but I remember one thing about it and that was it. The sex scene between Grace Jones and Roger Moore, where she is just like taking him. <laughs> no, she is I don't in charge. That. No, uh, I remember the dude falling off the blimp. Oh, okay. Uh, the first time I watched this, I was half asleep because uh, we used to do New Year's Bond marathons every year and just drink martinis and watch James oh. Bond movies. And I did this oh, for man, years. Been... Yeah. I haven't <laughs> done it in a long time. Yeah. No, it's been a while. But uh, it was the the first time I watched it was one of those. And I kind of came out of a martini and sleep haze to see the sex scene between Grace <laughs> Jones and Roger Moore. And he's so old and frail. And it's like, Grace Jones, what are you doing to James Bond? He's frail. <laughs> Let him go. Uh, oh, it's got oh a great, God. great theme song by Duran Duran. Oh, yeah uh yeah i mean it's it's a fucking mess uh it, <laughs> it, it is a total bizarre mess i think walken and grace jones are both fantastic but <laughs> everything else is bizarre <laughs> real mess uh i think it ties into like I, I think at the end it turns out christopher walken is like a one of the boys from berlin there's like there, there's <laughs> a eugenics guy i think his dad is like joseph mengele type fucking nuts <laughs> of course <laughs> uh next i watch friday the 13th the final chapter we've also covered it since then <laughs> we had we liked it great movie one of my favorites from uh, maybe my favorite i think probably my favorite from the series hmm. next guilty pleasures this is a shot on video picture uh, okay. i don't recall much about this one i i recall it being very pretty like for giallo it really used the visuals well uh it's it's using a lot of interesting lighting it's doing sort of i i felt it was really heavily inspired by both classic giallo and french new wave type stuff okay but at the same time it kind of it, it's got a sleaziness to it that is sort of endemic to 90s shot on video productions uh mm -hmm. it, it reminded me you ever watch hbo's the hitchhiker uh, I don't know. No, I haven't. It's a show I used to watch often. It, it aired on, I think, Bravo or Showcase. Uh, it, it's it's a show that you could consistently see nudity in. Uh, so it, it's like the only reason I watched it as a kid is like I could turn it on. I could probably see boobs. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it was always bookended by this guy who's the hitchhiker. And it, it, it was like a Twilight Zone type thing. And he was sort of the Rod Serling. Okay. So occasionally he would just pop up and this is the moral of the story i'm just a regular hitchhiker on the road and it, uh, the whole movie i was waiting for that guy to show up it felt like an episode of that 
like a, a really extended hitchhiker episode. All right. <laughs> Next is Give Me Pity. Uh, this is a really interesting movie. Um, uh, it, it's like I think you showed me the trailer for this. I believe no, so. No, you showed me something for this. I think I showed you a trail. Like I definitely sent you clips of it, and probably also the trailer. Uh, it's it's this lady doing a one woman show, but she's like doing it in hell. It's like her personal hell, I guess. And oh, <laughs> so it, it's like it, it's like the sort of thing that would show up on a red letter media junka or a black spine <laughs> thing. It, it's it's someone doing a one woman show that's very self involved, and it's about how what big star she is and how she's really made it now. It's like who are you? Uh, <laughs> and it's this elegant show of her doing all of these pieces, like these these one woman pieces uh but it's kind of creepy and hellish and there's like monsters lurking in the background sometimes and uh, some of it's very creepy like it will get very dark and grim at times there's this sequence where sequence that's like a title comes up wife hooker and it's her being you know it's it's her doing this bit about being a housewife but playing it like a real hardened, like movie hooker, uh, okay. about like the the transactionality of uh, modern male female uh, husband wife relationships, and sort of being in a very retro style, kind of reflecting on gender roles and stuff. I don't know. It's weird. It it it, it you know everything is terrible. <laughs> the YouTube uh, channel. Yeah, I think so. It feels like that. It feels like it's intentionally creating uh, a, an, an everything is terrible ephemera piece, but it doesn't. You want the montage version, uh, mm. ultimately. I, I think a lot of it's really great, but then a lot of it's like, I, I get it. I feel like we're, we're belaboring this at this point. Yeah, <laughs> but very it didn't need to be. It's two hours or whatever it is. It's not that long. <laughs> oh, okay, it's, it's it's relatively short. It's just there's stuff that doesn't really work, and it like it didn't need to be a feature. Uh, it, it's it's like mm. uh, more so than PG of just a thing. It's like this is much longer than it needs to be. Where it just it feels like it, its best home would have been a shorter internet video. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Next one is another film by the same director, uh, Please Baby Please, which it's similar. Uh, this, like, again, it's pastiche. It's doing gender roles, like heavily exploring gender roles in classic uh, old films. It, it's doing mainly like Rebel Without a Cause or like the, the big soapy melodramas of the 50s. Right. Like the the right. Technicolor stuff. Teen the teen angst you're tearing me apart <laughs> right you know that th that is exactly where that came from and uh yeah. you saw kenneth anger's fireworks at some point in the past couple months uh, uh i know yeah. i showed it to you um the you know where the guy has the the, the sailors all beat him up and then he takes one of them home and uh the, he up, unbuttons his pants and fireworks come out of his crotch right Right. Yeah. yeah. I I remember that. It it feels like a lot of Kenneth Anger and a lot of 
50s technicolor stuff so it's deconstructing it but it's a lot of people doing like gender theory monologues and okay it it's too much gender theory like you have (laughs) an amount of pastiche where it's like yeah i i'm seeing you doing the pastiche and the the way they're exploring gender roles could work just through the visuals but then you'll have someone spend like five minutes belaboring the point i i feel like both of the movies suffer from the same issue of just this didn't need to be belabored this much i get it i I get it So here's what's really wrong with Norman Bates in detail. Yeah, but like imagine if you did that like every five minutes in the movie. Oh, 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 we don't need that. Yeah, there's one of those speeches uh, every scene. And yeah, I mean, I liked a lot of it. But again, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, okay, move on. I get it, please. Hmm. Um, Next is James Band, 006. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's James Bond, but it's A N D E A N D E. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Uh, fuck. So it's a, it's a James Bond porno. It's French. Uh, sure, he is very French, like extremely French, uh, and he he's sort of like so he's he's not. You know, he's not the English spy James Bond. He is sort of a French counterpart who's really, who who uses sex. Like, he's double O sex, and his thing is right. he sexes everyone to accomplish his goals. Of course, of course. Uh, he, he tells a story about how there was this time he had to find out who the terrorist was on a full jumbo jet. Like there's, Did he there's... find out by... Having sex with having every sex single with person everybody? on the plane, yes. Does that included children. Sex like th- that. That included children because the terrorist ended up being a little girl. Uh, and then he he Man, has some joke funny. about yeah. And then he has some weird joke about how uh, she didn't give a very good blowjob, but she swallowed every drop. I was like, what is going oh, on in God. this fucking okay. movie? I was okay. like, what? Why? What? What is happening? Uh, yeah. So it, I'm not into this. <laughs> he's omnisexual. Uh, he's just sure. into absolutely everyone, male, female. Uh, he he just will go for anyone. That's his job. He is a sex being. <laughs> so it's just an it, like the concept is an entire espionage world where all problems are resolved with sex. So it's kind of just <laughs> it, it's so demented like none of it makes any sense also uh when he shoots a load it's blue <laughs> Fucking there, there's a part yeah he he's like they do a whole sex scene and then he busts a nut and it's like blue paint so hold on they so they use fake <laughs> cum it's blue it's it's fucking primary blue like poster paint blue <laughs> it's only him it's like his thing he has blue cum i don't know oh <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um next is friday the 13th a new beginning oh the final chapter wasn't the last one uh this one jason is still dead it's like a bad knockoff of a jason movie Oh, is this the one where it's like a Jason fanboy or something like that? It's the, I mean, it's a copycat killer. 
Um, they pretend it's Jason for most of the movie, and they have a character who is supposed to be Corey Feldman's character. Oh, okay. Who thinks maybe it's him, or maybe it's someone else, and he's kind of worried that the real Jason has come back, and blah blah blah. Uh, he's at like a he's at a mental home for some reason okay. on Crystal Lake. On oh, that's where you put your mental homes. Yeah, uh, and the first day he's there there's this one dude who's really unstable who's like a dangerous violent guy so he's kind of the red herring we we kind of figure he's going to be the guy who's come back to kill them because uh this fat dude who's really dumb and is just like wandering around with a chocolate bar and trying to get people to pay attention to him or do something with him but nobody can stand him he gets chocolate all over the sheets that the girls are washing and like hanging up after washing so he goes to this guy who's uh, chopping some wood, who's just really fucking aggro. And it's like, you maybe want to step off from this guy. Uh, and he like offers him some chocolate and the guy gets really mad and he chops the chocolate. And so the you know, the fat guy tries to do, oh, that's very rude. And I don't think that's very nice. And he tells him off and he obviously gets chopped to death. Of course. Yeah. So this is actually the inciting incident of the movie because the paramedic who comes to get him is his long lost father. We don't find this out until the end of the movie. The paramedic is the fat guy's father? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So seeing his son all (laughs) chopped up, even though he knows this is like Jason territory and he's never bothered to reconnect with the son who lives in the same small town as him. (laughs) Well, you know, they didn't appreciate when I microwaved the chicken. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so he's a paramedic and yeah, he just snaps. He he becomes the Jason. He puts on a slightly different hockey mask and kills all the people at the... Like, he just goes on a rampage. He kills a bunch of people. His kills are quite a bit more brutal, which is interesting because they're... He's a different... He's not Jason. So yeah, there, there yeah. is more of an edge to them. They're, they're meaner. Mm. Uh, more like actively trying to harm people. Uh... So there... I mean, there's interesting elements. It looks pretty good. Like, it's it's a good-looking movie, but i mean it's not jason it's just a fake jason <laughs> uh and it's just kind of cheap uh it it the the guy who directed it uh you know the direct uh, the the people involved in like the crystal lake memories everybody kind of uh, is kind of focuses on him having previously been a porn director and that they kind of feel that that's kind of the style he brought to it that it's a very sleazy entry i see Interesting. Uh, it's Roy the movie. <laughs> Next, Ocean's Eight. Uh, this one came out not that long ago, didn't it? Twenty eighteen. Um, That's still a while now. It's, it's a while now. It's uh, it's it's the all ladies version. Okay. So um... uh, no characters carrying over i I, mean, I think there's maybe one character makes a cameo from the previous ones all uh, right um how is this one compared to the others yeah it kind of stinks <laughs> oh really it's boring uh i mean it, it's just it feels like a fan film uh it's it, it's really flat it feels like nobody was able to clear time in their schedule to film scenes together so uh 
everything feels really disconnected. Nobody really seems to be talking to another person at any time. Oh no. Uh, and it's just generic. It's it's just a heist movie that they've put the ocean's name on and you know they're they're trading on it, but it's uh I think the the main character is supposed to be George Clooney's character's sister. Sure. Who's sure. never been mentioned before. And like irritatingly they have a scene where like she goes to his grave and it's like wait he died oh, fuck. fuck man this sucks on two ways <laughs> oh man uh yeah so not really a recommend there next i watched decision to leave which you also watched we talked a bit about a great fucking movie yeah. uh one of the better ones that i've seen in the last few months yeah uh, it's it's my favorite park chenwook uh, next, Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6. They're like, okay, that wasn't working. Let's bring Jason back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's really fun. I, I like this one a lot. It's the comedy one. It's the one where they're like, all right, let's just embrace being self-referential. Let's have comedy around Jason. But Jason himself will still just be Jason and do his pure killing force thing. Okay, cool. Is this the one where the FBI blows him up? No, that's nine. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Jason Goes to Hell. That one, the only—that's the only good part of that movie. This right, is, this right. is pretty that's... solid. Okay. Uh, there's like uh, he encounters some people on a work retreat doing paintball and kills them. Uh, there, there's lots of jokes about just slasher tropes and stuff, but uh, he's still never a joke. Jason is still doing the Jason thing, which okay. is cool. And of, of course, he's resurrected by them. <laughs> uh trying to stake his body with like a iron pole like Corey feldman's character it's not the same actor but he goes to the grave and digs him up and stabs him with a thing and it gets hit by lightning and revives him really <laughs> stupid idea <laughs> <laughs> all right Corey feldman you're under arrest <laughs> He gets no, arrested. He, understand. he was Jason. That's the thing. He does get arrested. <laughs> He's in jail for a bit. And then like the the daughter of the chief of police breaks him out because she has the hots for him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this this does sound fun. It's pretty good. Uh next is Once Upon a Time in Uganda. This is one you watched with me. Yep. Uh documenting the Wakaliwood. Uh, the trials and tribulations of, yeah, of Wakaliwood and basically why we haven't seen another one. Yeah, that they just have sort of been on all of these other side projects. I really do hope someone starts distributing more of these. I really love the Wakaliwood pictures I've seen. Uh, They're so good. And the, there's so many that they show here that are tantalizing. Like, I want to see these. Yeah, like, like uh, eaten to death in Uganda. Eaten alive in Uganda. Or I believe. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That one looks great. Uh, yeah. it, it's sort of like as a documentary, I do feel like it, it feels artificially heightened drama at times. We're, yeah. we're very focused on the story between the lead actor and the lead director. And it's like, I'm not that interested in their relationship. I'm more interested in the, these movies and their making. But I, yeah. I feel like they've definitely enhanced or like, like ramped up the, the whole. A white savior element that may or may not actually be in the actual story. Yeah, there, there, there does seem it, to but be. But it's definitely in here. It, yeah, it's very amplified. I, I, I did like the stuff where he finally goes back home, and it was like, "Wow, what have you been doing here? 
crazy and yeah he, he spends some time home and he comes back and he's like you're so fat what happened it's like well i was living i was i stopped living in a third world country for a little while yeah uh, yeah he when the uganda back, diet <laughs> yeah when he's back like living with his mother or whatever and he's just like i fucked this up so bad yeah but he's also like, wow, food, though. Oh, my God, I've missed it. <laughs> Electricity. Electricity, comfort. Yeah. But I really I, want more of these movies. The the actual yeah. Hollywood movies so much. They're mm-hmm. incredible. I, I like seeing, like, how some of them were made. Like, the prop mm. guy, the helicopter he's building. Yeah. Oh, he's been I, building that for years. We got some more progress on that. Yeah. The, I mean, that is shown at the end of uh, Who Killed Captain Alex. <laughs> that helicopter that's when it was started yep uh next is ob oba the end of civilization this is the third one in the Piotr shulkin set oh that's the apocalypse quadrilogy correct it? yeah we've covered the first two of those that golem and uh war of the world's next century that, that's it century yeah. So this is the third one. This one, it's further into Apocalypse. Uh, this one is post-Apocalypse. Uh, it, it's Fallout. They're in a Fallout shelter. Okay. Uh, it, so they're, they're at, at war. Nuclear war happened. Uh, it's a year later. And resources are running out. They didn't really plan things well. The whole place is fucking coming apart. There's not a lot of infrastructure. Right, right. Because you know they had this protracted war before uh, the 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 nuclear war, and in the year that they've been under there, uh, half of the people have already died off, and food yeah, is incredibly right. scarce. Later, you know, it turns out that they've most of what they're eating now is just the remnants of all the books. Oh, they're just like. Uh, running them through a crusher into paste and then, you know, sending it out as bricks. Uh, are you familiar with Rat Park? No, no so, I haven't heard of it. It's a famous experiment uh, where people just put a bunch of rats in this enclosed space and watch their societies. And, you know, they have a dispenser and, uh, you know, all of these rats just hung around the dispenser, just milled around and, uh, the like constant light you know no never a point when the lights are off right uh so it's yeah it's these people they're always under these neon blue lights and they just hang around the dispenser and nobody's really doing much of anything uh there's there's nothing to do there's not much space and everybody's come to believe that there's an arc that's on its way to save them like uh like a noah's ark kind of deal yeah uh okay. it's just this rumor that everybody's heard and everybody's talking about well the ark's coming soon we'll 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 all be fine we just need to wait for the ark and it sort of slowly comes out that this is a government control function uh that they sent a bunch of people early on to get people to sort of believe in this thing and kind of send people out who are sort of painted as heretics and are supposed to not be like they're persecuted or they're fictionally persecuted, they're pretend persecuted uh, for their beliefs, and just everybody kind of oh. secretly believing in this thing. Oh, Even I though see. loudspeakers constantly drone saying, there is no arc, is a fantasy, this is all there is. And, you know, t- 
officially they can't buy into it, but you know they're stoking it at the bottom. Interesting. Okay. okay. And that's sort of the entire politics of the place. And we're following this one guy who is one of the people who rabble roused behind the religion at the start and is just aware of everything going on. He's the guy who's behind the scenes and uh, we're, we're seeing it disintegrating in real time because they have this dome and it's actually crumbling and it's going to come down really soon. And he's trying to find the one engineer who's somewhere who knows how to fix it. And he finds the guy he's like, yeah, but why bother? <laughs> <laughs> you can't get him to even bother. And he's already dying because he's just lying on the floor, giving up. Uh, <laughs> it's extremely bleak. <laughs> Damn. And though the, those last two were bleak too. <laughs> oh yeah. This is yet bleaker. Uh, oh, very, very oh, good. I, I would say it's on a level with them, but yeah, harsh, harsh stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Next, Scream of the Demon Lover. Uh, there's this guy who, he, he has this big castle, and uh, some point in the past, his brother horribly burned to death. And oh, no. he is trying to do mad science experiments to cure this burning to death. Uh, what? <laughs> he's got like the burnt corpse in a bathtub covered in gelatin. He's just like running things to it. He's or supposedly, anyway, we've got a corpse in a bathtub that he's doing all these experiments with. And someone, some kind of monster keeps getting out and killing people. There, there have been six deaths. And oh. everybody in town, it's sort of a Dracula situation. They're like, yeah, it's probably the Baron. We're pretty sure it's the Baron. You don't really want to go work there, lady. Because it's a lady who's come to work with him as a biochemist. He's been hired there. He didn't know it was going to be a lady. And she, she, she shows up and is like, a lady? I don't know. Uh, you know, the whole thing. Uh, yeah. But, of course, there's this whole half of the castle that she's not allowed to enter. And where there's, like, howling sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it turns out the brother is still around but he's sort of a monster man now of course uh, and you know gets out and kills people and frankenstein-esque hmm. uh next friday the 13th part seven the new blood oh uh, i've talked about this one before it's basically jason versus carrie oh right right <laughs> this girl comes to the lake with psychokinetic powers yeah uh bernie from weekend at bernie's is her psychiatrist <laughs> sure <laughs> uh and he sucks he really stinks he's kind of inserted himself as her dad and she oh. she's not oh, into it she, she doesn't care for it uh and the mom is also not really into him but it's it's this weird sort of family dynamic and obviously some there's a bunch of teens who have a house across the street from them next to crystal lake they all get sure. murdered, and then she has yeah. to face off against Jason with psychokinetic powers. Uh, he hmm. turns into like a rubber creature at the end. Like they they <laughs> they break the mask off, and he's like a rubber suit monster. And I don't know, <laughs> not a huge fan of that one. What I am a huge fan of is Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight: Jason Takes Manhattan. We've talked about this a lot because I fucking love this stupid movie. We talked about this a bunch it's last fun. week. Yeah. Didn't I watch it last week again? I think I did. Uh, you might have. I probably I think did. you might have. 
I've I've watched it a couple times in the past few months. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason goes to Manhattan, sort of. Not really. Jason goes on a boat. <laughs> he ends up in Manhattan eventually. He Doesn't ends up in Vancouver. It, but... Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely yeah. had this exact conversation last week. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next is Black Emmanuel. First oh. in the Black Emmanuel series, which is crazy. There's like 35 movies. What? <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, I have a gigantic box set. Some of them are pornos. <laughs> 24 feature films. <laughs> they, it's, it's a hell of a series. Black Emmanuel. Uh, so the first one, Laura Jemser, Black Emmanuel. She, uh, she's a journalist. And she goes to Nairobi, you know, in Africa. And uh, there's there's some white folks who are hosting her. She, she's an, she's African-American, but she's going to Africa to see, you know, native Africa. Uh, But she's staying with these rich white folks who uh, introduce her to all sorts of sexual corruption. Uh They they just, they do all sorts of sex stuff, uh, all all sorts of crazy sex games. Uh, And then, you know, it's intercut with like safari. (laughs) We, We go and watch tribal footage and all sorts of shit. And then, you know, sex scenes and <laughs> I don't know. It, it's <laughs> it's it's like a Mondo film, but we have characters in it. You know, hmm. I, I like I've talked about the Mondo <laughs> film before. Mondo Kane is, is what starts the wave. And they're just sort of travelogues. You you see a uh, foreign country and you, you sort of revel in all the sleaziest aspects of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next, Alien 3. The first David Fincher movie. This might be the only... When I was younger, I saw Alien 1, 2, and Resurrection a mm. whole bunch. Interesting. Uh, 1 and 2 because they're awesome, and Resurrection because it had Winona Ryder. Fair, fair, I get uh, it. I saw Alien 3 exactly once in my life. Because you just didn't want to see it again because it's fucking drag. <laughs> <laughs> what does David Fincher think of Alien 3? He's completely disowned it. Oh, completely. He won't even talk about it. You, you like if you ask him about it, the interview is over. It's not into oh. it. Uh, they like they did that huge quadrilogy box. Uh, the word quadrilogy was introduced by this box set of oh, DVDs. Right. It's so famous, uh, right. and he just was. A, he's the only like major person who just did not participate at all. He was uninterested. It's like nope, that is behind me. <laughs> and fair because well, it's yeah. a bummer uh i mean part of it he he was dropped on the project without a script like they didn't have a script at the time he started directing it there was a point in time that they thought this movie was going to be about a planet made of wood yeah wooden, a fucking wooden planet full of bunks uh and they sort of took elements of that and then it ended up yeah. with like uh it's it's a prison planet and they're it, all the prisoners have formed this monastic religion and they're kind of okay with uh, being on prison now sort of it's really brown and gray and oh everything we fought for in the second one is dead everybody's dead yeah they, they just fucking kill them uh which is just a bummer yeah i don't know it's a drag uh it's it's not a fun movie <laughs> uh next we got together and we had a fucking edibles night we watched some kenneth anger we we did rabbit's moon oh right we did rabbit's moon i fucking love rabbit's moon 
his his uh, Commedia dell'arte short, which is uh, you, you've got some mimes and you've got some just incredible classic uh, doo-wop music. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh yeah, I, it's a song I've heard before. I can't there, think. What yeah, it's my called. my favorite one. Uh, the I only have eyes for you is is like That's the really it. great. Uh, bit but yeah and, and then of course at the end he just falls from the sky mm-hmm. <laughs> really great fucking slapstick conclusion i i love rabbit's moon but as a vibe setter while we were uh letting the edibles hit and then we watched koyana Scotsy again yeah so good uh <laughs> best as a shared psychedelic experience agreed agreed uh, and then coming down from that we watched a couple more movies so th- these are more that you can speak on journey to the beginning of time kind of speak on that i don't remember that night very clearly to be honest there were edibles uh so this yeah. is i mean this is sort i do of a remember this space movie they, they just went on this boat on this river these four children four children yeah i think so one of yeah. them's younger than the others yeah just you know if you just keep going backwards in the river you'll just go back to the beginning of time they meet dinosaurs it's cool it's pretty fucking rad i totally love it uh, yeah it's fun very dreamy uh, and we also watched Voyage of the Rock Aliens <laughs> which is a bizarre 80s musical that's sort of a ready-made cult film uh, you know in the Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of tradition yeah uh, but with aliens and they explode sometimes and you have to they have to be put back together uh, a bunch of fake Devo songs <laughs> <laughs> Next is Pitch Black. Vin Diesel in Pitch Black, the the movie that made him a star. Right, yeah. This is like the first Riddick film before we knew there were going to be Riddick films. Yeah, they kind of spun it off into a Riddick franchise because Vin Diesel had just sort of a weird charm about him that Mm -hmm. has kind of worn off over time, I kind of think. With all the contract shit, he's not allowed to lose a fight or anything. It's kind of... Yeah, I mean, been a drain on on that charm, but you know, back then he was cool. He was he looked really interesting. Uh, it's this weird movie about a planet that goes completely dark, and then it's covered with aliens that will rip you apart in the dark. I don't, you ever <laughs> seen this? this? Oh, I I see this. Oh I, yeah, I had I never just, seen I it before. Getting mi- details mixed up between this and Chronicles Riddick is this ah. the one? Where they're like swinging on a rope and they have to either outrun the sunrise or the sunset. I think so. Yeah, I believe that does yeah. happen in this one. Uh, uh, I've never seen the sequels. I've only seen this one. It was okay. I've seen yeah. this and the first sequel, and I remember hmm. nothing. I played a bit of the game back in the day, yeah, which was decent, was pretty game. good game. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got Taxi Hunter. This is a Hong Kong knockoff of Death Wish. Ooh. You got this uh this guy who's an insurance salesman. It's really, you know, meek, regular kind of salaryman type guy. And then his pregnant wife is killed by a taxi driver in an accident. So he declares war on all taxi drivers. Uh well, you see well, all shady is... taxi drivers. Oh, okay. Well, that's still most of them. It's still most of them. As it turns out, there, there's like, he gets into cabs and he sh- he waits until they try to screw him over and then he murders them. Uh, and he'll like chainsaw the, the 
the taxi in half or shit, something like that. And there, like, there is one good taxi driver he meets and who's kind to him and helpful. And he gives him like a hundred dollar tip. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but he's like friends with the cop who's investigating the case. The guy kind of knows what's going on. It's an interesting <laughs> movie. It was pretty fun. All right. Next, I dip back into the nudist films because there's this disc that actually has just a bunch of them, including Shangri-La. Uh, so nudist life. Uh where they they kind of make it like camping. It seems like they're just camping, but without clothes. And I don't know, that doesn't sound fun to me. Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to camp with my clothes. I like camping isn't that fun to begin with. Uh, yeah. If we just have to be nude in the wilderness, that doesn't sound that great. <laughs> uh, mainly because this one's fucking boring. This one's just... They're... Uh, it, I there were times I fell asleep. I'm I'm absolutely certain. I remember <laughs> there's a bit where the narrator is talking about we we've been just seeing people walking. Just footage of nudists. They're walking around. They're walking around, walking around. We and I don't know how long I've been watching it. And all of a sudden the the narrator just peps in suddenly as he's just been away, I guess. I don't know. It's like walking is a form of exercise nudists do much of. <laughs> like no kidding dude oh man in fact they do 90 minutes of it <laughs> observe yeah kind of felt like that uh next Moonchild this is the next one from the michael j murphy box oh we haven't gone in there in some time yeah so you've seen house of the devil right horror movie is uh i think so uh, this lady, uh, she's hired as a babysitter, but then it turns out she's actually supposed to be taking care of an elderly person. And she's like, eh, but she's getting paid a lot. So she stays there. But it turns out there's like a devil cult in the attic. Okay. Um, I kind might of. have seen it. I don't, I honestly don't know. This is sort of that same plot. It's it's Michael J. Murphy doing kind of basically that, but really lo-fi and so slow. Mm. <laughs> that's right he can be slow i honestly don't remember anything about it <laughs> no clue if it's good or not <laughs> i only remember just vaguely the plot and that it was it was okay it, like not not at the same level as uh blood 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 streams a bloody good film bloodstream yeah uh next i watch seven which we've also already covered so Yep. Good movie. Uh, next, Playtime. Another movie that I watch with y'all. Uh, yeah, this one... Um, I don't remember it that good. Uh, Jacques Tati, masterpiece. Uh, he Sort of Mr. Bean-esque, but you know, it's him coming oh, to the town. Yeah. The town that is entirely built for the movie. And just the rigidity of the steel and glass and all of these weird little... You know, the, the chairs, the noise they make when they pop back into shape after you've gotten out of them. and Right. At one point, he has to, like, go into this, like, glass office. Oh. Yeah, they're all, it's just him trying to find people and people trying to find him and just all these stupid missed connections. And there's people who are traveling uh, on a bus and they're supposed to be seeing France, but they're just at this business conference and this steel and glass which just 
has none of like classic France in it, but occasionally you'll see like the Eiffel Tower or the Arc de Triomphe just <laughs> uh, reflected in something. Right, right. <laughs> and then at the end, it sort of becomes a carnival. Uh, just a, the the freedom of the night. You know, everybody, uh, the, the, the restaurant disintegrating around everyone and it turns into just this chaos party. Right. I love it so much. Uh, next, I watched Easy Rider, kind of the the hippie film. Hmm. Uh, kind of make Jack Nicholson a star. Uh, so Dennis Hopper directed it. A man went looking for America and couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, so it's it's these two dudes, uh, Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda, and they are transporting cocaine uh like they're they're drug mules they're they're taking drugs up from mexico i think okay i can't remember exactly where they're going but on motorbike and they run into this lawyer played by jack nicholson who's interested in motorcycles and he decides to come with them and hang out so okay so i'm already imagining this like i'm jack nicholson i like <laughs> motorcycles well, this Do you is, want to hang out with me? He's he's kind of got some of that energy, but it's it's a young young Nicholson. Like this is oh, before yeah, he was a star. Be, yeah, this was like the sixties, was it? This is nineteen sixty nine. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a real star making performance. He's got the like he's sort of a normie, but he's interested in, uh, you know he he's interested in the hippies. He wants to vibe with their culture, so he goes with them, and uh, you know, obviously they, he gets fucking murdered by rednecks <laughs> oh <laughs> set upon them when they camp at night uh and you know the the movie sort of devolves into uh they they get to new orleans and they've delivered their drugs and then they take acid and they're hanging out in a graveyard and they filmed the scene by taking acid and hanging out in a graveyard <laughs> so it becomes really chaotic for a while. Um, fascinating movie, re- really interesting. It is the hippie movie. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Next, ten days in a nudist camp. It's another nudist film. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, again, it's just it, it does not make it seem appealing because there's so much of people doing calisthenics naked, and I uh... get that it's because we want to watch people jiggling naked, but. I wouldn't want to do it. (laughs) The the point is to make people interested in nudism for most of these. I mean, some of them, obviously it's just to capitalize on nude, but yeah, this one's like, I don't know. This doesn't look appealing. Um, Next I watched Goldeneye. I I know whether or not I've watched this one. You've seen Goldeneye. (laughs) You've a hundred percent seen it. I have definitely seen Goldeneye. Uh, and do you know how I remember that I've seen it? Because it's the one that has the same plot as the video game. It's the video game one. Uh, it's the video game one. The the one that everybody remembers the game. And sort Is of the remembers movie the movie. That good? It's good. I, I think it's the only good Brosnan. Uh, it's fun. It's It's got all the movie stuff. You got Joe Don Baker in there. I love Joe Don oh, Baker. Yeah, that's right. Um not his first appearance in James Bond, but his first appearance as this character. Yeah, and he'll appear as this character again in Tomorrow Never Dies. He doesn't have as much to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I really like Goldeneye. You got Xenia on a top, which is a ridiculous character. She's sex murders. 
Uh, I love Boris. You got Boris. Alan Cumming is Boris. Alan Cumming's great. Sean Bean. Sean Bean doing his classic dying and his dying. Yeah, he he dies twice in twice. this movie. <laughs> the beginning of a legend. Yeah, I love this movie. It's 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 a lot of fun. Not it like is. a and... great Bond movie, but it's easily the only good Bond movie of the nineties. Yeah, I mean. I think the game is probably better than the movie is. It's certainly more influential. Although I think the movie is probably aged better than the game has. I, I tried to play that yeah. recently. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I do find the, the movie to be pretty solid still. I, I bet it is. I'm tempted to check it out. Yeah. Next, The Game. Uh, Michael Douglas in The Game. Uh, this is, oh, I haven't seen this. So this is David Fincher. This is the movie he made after Seven. Okay. Uh, and it's Michael Douglas as this super rich dude and like high powered executive. Doesn't have a lot of time for everybody. Uh, very isolated life. And sure. his brother is Sean Penn, who's this chaotic brother who's like the prodigal son. There's weird bad blood between them. We don't really know okay. what it is. And he shows up and he says, he's like, all right, happy birthday. I've gifted you the game. Uh, it's, it's an, it's an ARG, you know, an alternate reality game. A bunch of people are going to show up and you won't know when you're playing the game and who's involved with it and who isn't. Cause it's just layered into reality. And then whenever you think about the game, you just lost the game. <laughs> right. Of course. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, the, the absurdity of the game is evident. Like the, it controls all of reality. The expense to the expense of what it would cost <laughs> is immeasurable. There's no way it could possibly be a uh, profitable business. Like to the level of where, it, in say a John Wick movie, every single person on the subway is part of it. Yeah. I, I, oh it's, my god! It, yes. It's it's that kind of thing where just absolutely everybody is a part of it. Uh, they will just empty an entire office building uh, all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> all it's it's impossible, but it's great. Uh, it because <laughs> it, it, it's playing with it as a movie. It's like, all right, we're in a movie, and Michael Douglas is a movie star who is dealing with being in a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a really great one. Cool, cool. Next is The Living Daylights, the first uh, Timothy Dalton James Bond film. I don't, I know I've seen all the Timothy Daltons. The only thing I remember is that Joe Don Baker's the bad guy in one of them. He is, I think it's. I think it's the last one. I think it's this one. Oh, is it this one? I believe it's this one because the, I know, yeah, I'm trying to remember the the villains in License to Kill, I can remember. Uh, I think it's Robert Davi in uh, that one. And they feed Felix Leiter to sharks. Um, oh god <laughs> yeah. shit kill his wife uh living daylights is kind of the one where they're sort of trans like are we gonna do sort of a roger moore style one with dalton but dalton obviously was not on board for that so he's really cold about it he's he's kind of dark and we still have all of the fucking silliness of the roger moore system but like <laughs> we have bond being like what the fuck <laughs> there's a part where he goes to q branch right and you right. have the q branch bullshit uh q has sure. a ghetto blaster uh which oh. is a guy who's looks like 
you'd a dude you'd see in the ghetto and he's got a big fucking ghetto blaster on his shoulders and it like shoots a rocket <laughs> and like any of the more ones that would have been you know joking roger moore would have done some kind of silly one-liner and dalton just like good for christ's sake <laughs> just like seems so annoyed and like what the hell are we doing here man what's what is going on with the spy business uh Oh yeah, I, no. I'm imagining a, a version of this with Q as the the ghetto person with like dressed with the backwards hat and the sagging jeans and all oh, that. Oh, that would be great. That would be better. <laughs> as you know, the I, I assume it's like the same Q actor that it always is. Yes, uh, it was. Died. It was him right up until John Cleese took over for him for one movie. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, this one's weird because he goes to Afghanistan. Bond. Oh, that's weird. Okay. And, and he, he teams up with the Mujahideen, who became the Taliban. He's on their side. Oh. Weird movie. Oh, I mean, so no. did Rambo. Rambo and Rambo 3. Same thing. Oh, weird shit. era. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, Reagan was supporting them too. So next we've got Beaks, the movie, uh, aka Birds of Prey. This is a Rene oh. Cardona Jr. It is his knockoff of the birds, but in the 80s. Okay. It's really gory and it's got 80s level effects. Hmm. Uh, the bird attacks, always really fun. <laughs> uh, it's, it, you know, you've seen a couple of Cardonas now. We did um, Treasure of the Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah. That you was know, fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun, but you know the way that they're loose. There's a lot of extra characters and there's a bunch of scenes like this could have been 30 minutes shorter and we wouldn't have lost much. Right. It, it it has that kind of feel like there's just so many stories going on and I don't need all of them. Um, we mainly, yeah, please. Donald Pleasant says the Nazi who yeah. never interacted with the main team after they met the one time. Yeah. It's just this whole extra plot and you could have easily just cut it out. And I mean, I don't mind that sort of thing. It's just, there's a lot of scenes where it's like, I don't need this scene. This scene could just easily have hit the cutting room floor. Okay. But uh, so we we follow this lady who is a reporter who's just sort of stuck on the the silly news beat. Oh no! <laughs> but this puts her at the forefront because she keeps getting the bird attack uh, uh, stories. Like there's these sort of uh, stories about bird attacks are kind of on the fringe, and she's the one who's picking them up, and then it slowly becomes the main thing, and then all a bird attack, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bad. Pretty decent. All right. Next, Visitors from the Arcana Galaxy. Uh, This is, I think it's Czech. Uh, Oh, it's a Serbian or Serbo-Croatian. So when Serbo-Croatia was the same. Um, And so this guy who who, uh, he's decided to write a sci-fi story and he makes this, makes up this family who are robot aliens from arcana and they have tons of superpowers they can do pretty much anything they can bend reality nice and then he just kind of gets bored of writing the story and he has to put it aside because he's got other stuff to do and then they show up oh uh-oh <laughs> they're like hey what the fuck finish your story <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing and they they visit earth and they're you know hanging around uh, it's it's from a guy who mostly did animation up to that point, so you've got a lot of stop motiony stuff. Uh, it it very slowly builds, but there's a part where there's a big wedding at the end, and 
someone turns into just a huge fucking uh over fiend type thing and just tentacles are ripping people off ripping everyone's heads off <laughs> kind of felt like a kid's movie in the first part though <laughs> all right it's fun it's just pretty strange next tower a bright day uh this is a polish film there it's it's a family reunion uh there's these there's this woman who has been taking care of her sister's daughter for a while uh for six years because they have this it's weird the the place that they live is sort of on the fringe of reality on the fringe of society uh on the fringe of modernity it's it's hard to say okay uh and the the sister finally shows up after six years, she just turns up because it's the daughter's first communion. And they're going to do a whole thing. And she she turns up and the sister who's been raising her is very troubled by this. And she's very suspicious and she's super anxious. And we kind of watch it all through her point of view. So it's really disorienting that just everything is very intense. And we don't know why. We don't know the full background of why things are intense. Okay. All right. Uh, next, I watched Monument, which is the next film by the same director. Ooh. It's a two-pack. Okay. So this one, uh, this one's, uh, again, very abstract. Uh, a bunch of people show up, and they're supposed to do this job. They're, they're going to work at this hotel. At first, it kind of seems like they're on vacation, and then it seems like they are. they arrive at this hotel, and they're given these instructions, and I think it's there are students and they're doing a work study, like a work placement. Okay. But it's this huge, creepy, impossibly large hotel that doesn't seem to fit in reality. Uh, but nobody seems to be staying there and it's super run down. There are places that are just creepy. Uh, and reality doesn't quite fit. Things are starting to get strange, but people are sort of individually realizing it it's weird very moody uh but it it is one of these where it has an explanation at the end it's kind of a fucking trick it's like no oh. oh, too literal it was better mm. before you got literal with it all right <laughs> uh next spirits of the air gremlins of the clouds this is an australian post-apocalypse slow cinema thing okay uh first film by alex proyas uh, who went on to do like Dark City? Oh man, I I need to watch that still. Dark City is a good movie. This is pretty good. Um, there, it's these these. There's this brother and sister, and they live in this shack in the middle of a desert, and it's post-apocalypse. There's just two mountain ranges on either side of them, like way way far away, and just huge empty landscape between, and the dude is trying to build an airplane. Like he has some books left over from before and some instructions and he's working on building an aircraft. All right. Uh, but the sister is, uh, she's like painting her face up like a geisha and doing, she, she's become obsessively religious and just wants to, I don't know, follow that down to the tomb <laughs> so this this drifter shows up and he's kind of helping the guy 
work on the plane because he wants to get out of there. Uh, but the sister seems to want to kill him. And I don't know, it's, it's very moody, very slow, very quiet. Interesting. All right. Next is License to Kill, which is the other Bond one. As I said, Robert Davi, drug kingpin, uh, grabs Felix's wife and kills her. And Felix is fed to the sharks. His legs are bitten off. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> so Bond has to go for revenge. He goes rogue to get oh, revenge uh, in he Florida. He's only done that. He, he does that a couple times. He does it a few times. It, it becomes more common in the later years. He, I think he does that again in uh, World is Not Enough. He he does it again. Oh, does he? I, in the Brazen one. Yeah, World is Not Enough. He's rogue. I only barely remember that one. Totally fair. I definitely saw it, <laughs> but yeah. I saw that one in the theater. Uh, I rewatched it last so week. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Dude has a bullet in his head and it gives him superpowers. Yeah, you know who who played that guy? Uh, who who? Robert Carlyle, uh, the uh, uh Begbie in Trainspotting. No shit! Such a boring performance. I can't believe it's him. Like after rewatching Trainspotting fuck? and going back to World Is Not Enough, it's like that's Robert Carlyle in this role. I did not recognize him, and he's doing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> anyway that's next like week. generic <laughs> generics and so lame yeah uh so this one licensed kill he's he's rogue it's much more violent much more violent than any of the more ones were and it's it's a bit more it's a bit darker but it's still got some silliness like there's a part where there's a bar brawl and someone tries to stab him with a stuffed swordfish it's kind of funny Next, we got Tomorrow Never Dies. Ah, I know this one well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, Bond versus Steve Jobs. Yeah, he's Steve Jobs. He's Rupert Murdoch. He's Elon Musk. Uh, It's Jonathan Price. Wesley Sailor Boy. Yeah, he of course does. Uh, You got Michelle Yeoh as the Bond girl. She has nothing to do. I forgot Uh, she was... I I forgot there was a Bond girl. Well, because there's no romance. She's just supposed to be another spy and they don't like there's zero romance. There's no chemistry with them. So it's just weird. It's like, what are we doing? They, uh, they, I, I feel like they were trying to lean into the political correctness and just failed. They just fucking <laughs> toppled right over. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Kind of stinks. It's, it's just boring. <laughs> but it's not the one with the, with Denise Richards, though, is it? That is the next one. Christmas, or no, no. Yeah, yeah Christmas Jones, that's her character's name. I, I'm just, it, it's, she's in, yeah, she is in World Is Not Enough. Right. Rather which, than Die Another Day, <laughs> which is the next one. Uh, yeah. Uh, both of those we'll talk about next week. So, those are our fucking 44 picks. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> God damn. So, uh yeah all right all right all right so i've just been trying to keep all these descriptions together and not really succeeding but a little bit succeeding yeah i mean there's a lot of them that you can just cross right off because it's like eh, why yeah Yeah, i mean like i'm not gonna pick one of the james bonds i don't think that's fair Uh, yeah they're they're gonna come up again i watch them a lot (laughs) (laughs) if i were to pick a james bond i'd do one of like 
my personal favorites, which isn't really right. any of these. That's fair. The, these are all weird latter day ones. I mean, maybe Goldeneye, but mm. uh, nah, I don't. I don't want to do Goldeneye. Fair, fair. Uh, I uh, there's a few that I want to do though. Yeah, and well, I'm we thinking could do we'll a just pick a few and like maybe just decide after the fact which is going to be part one and part two and yeah whatnot. we'll 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 do it in conversation so what do you think we'll, yeah yeah so one thing i'm thinking obviously i've loved the apocalypse quadrilogy so mm-hmm. far um everything like they've all been solid like yeah five both of star them, or four and a half star movies both of them were incredible and yeah i would say this one is absolutely on par with those so uh i want to do the next one that's okay. one of them all right. Uh, Ob Oba. I want to take a chaser with it, though. Good call. <laughs> um, now, what would go with, or I guess maybe against that is what we're thinking of. So you're thinking maybe just two? Well, no, no. Um, something else to go okay. along with that, like something. I see. I see. Hmm. Something lighter. Something not as. Something don't. Something that isn't going to give me an existential crisis. Well, if you were to do that one and contrast it with, let's see, maybe Journey to the Beginning of Time. Oh, fuck. Yeah, actually. And then I could watch that again and like actually absorb something (laughs) from it because I remember thinking it's fun, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. And, you know, then you got the end of things and then you go back to the beginning of things. It's kind of a nice contrast chaser kind of deal. Yeah. Okay. So those can be our part two i think sounds good obi oba and journey to the beginning of time because we have covered one of the carol zemmons before i'd love to cover all three of them oh yeah what was we did the other one sorry munchausen i think oh that was oh yes that's right that was that was this guy yeah yeah that's right oh that was a while ago that one's more of an animated feature Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. So what do you think for our main feature? And also, uh, I should say, next week we'll do an inactive stacks pick, of course. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's been a while. Oh, the timing for that is actually, I have a plan, but we'll talk, we'll get to that. All right. <laughs> uh, but no, for the main feature, is there anything on here that either you really kind of want to do or you think I'd really like but might not necessarily pick on my own? Let's see. Hmm. I don't know. Because right now I'm kind of leaning towards the game, but I don't know. Yeah, I could do the game. I got nothing against that. I Like, nothing really jumps out at me, I suppose. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, McBain is crazy. It's very Stone Cold esque. Oh. There is 48 hours, which is pretty uh, kind of a, an action milestone. Uh, the the Amanda Kramer ones are both very interesting, but as I said, they're uneven. Mm. That's give me pity and please, baby, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, shit. <laughs> Let's do McBain. I I just love an excuse to make Simpsons jokes. That, all right. Like, aren't part of the mainstream anymore. We've aged out of it. That's fair. All right. So, uh, McBain. And Ob Oba and Journey to the Beginning of Time. Those will be at the three. Man, we're going we are going with different vibes all over the place. <laughs> Bunch of different stuff. I mean, hey, we did four movies this week. We've got uh interesting uh array of stuff there. All very different vibes, I would say. All four mm-hmm. of them. 
very different kinds of horror. Yeah, uh, it's a real tapestry. It's uh, that's my genre. <laughs> so yeah, uh, next week we will be covering McBain, <laughs> Ob Oba, the end of civilization, and go back to the journey to the beginning of time, uh, clearing out some of these uh, forgotten stacks, the missed stacks. <laughs> the beginning and the end. Beginning and the, the alpha end. and the omega edition. Hell yeah. So, do you have any final thoughts before we clear up for this week? Yep. Uh, yeah. We can close out Halloween where no one will hear you score. Because <laughs> you didn't hear it, you see. Right, right. Okay. Uh, want to blow off the microphone. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks everyone so much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful Halloween, like two weeks ago at this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm still not putting away the decorations. Hell no. Just keep that fucking spooky season rolling. Uh, all right, everyone. Thanks so much and have a great evening. <laughs>